This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Forgot to move my camera there. I'm up here now. What's up, fuckers? We're back. I don't, I'm going to have to change this. This ain't working. <laughs> we'll go back here, I guess. Oh, uh, see, that's why I didn't like it. That's why I didn't, you see my washer dryer combo back there. I can't. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I like it better up here. <laughs> that didn't help. I give up. Make it stop. I hate it. Too crooked. I might be able to deal with that. That's probably a little loud. It looked like it. Welcome. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Thursday. I have been off for a couple of weeks. I guess you guys know that. What the fuck happened to my hair? Mater, um, Donald Trump got arrested. I made the promise I would shave my head if Donald Trump got arrested. We did the stream. We watched him get arrested or we watched him, we watched him get arraigned. And then I shaved my head. Also, glad to see you on the Discord. Glad you are taking advantage of the Discord chat. If, if by some reason you guys do not want to... Uh, participate in the chat on the YouTube or kick you can hop in the show live chat on the discord that's a really neat feature we have producer Dave gave me a hard time about doing that but hey hey look it comes in handy well hopefully May 13th I will be free and clear to return to Twitch once again, it's hopefully because I don't actually know for sure. Technically, I am permanently banned from Twitch. That's why you haven't seen me pop up on Echoplex. Because I do not want to. I, I thought about it. I thought about popping in being like, Hey, hey, I'm Marcus Muffins. What's going on? I have my sunglasses and like the beanie on or something. But I just, I don't want to risk, um, I don't want to put producer Dave at risk. I love them too much. But anyway, we have a shit ton of news to cover here tonight. Uh, this is the this is the time of the show where I I forgot how this I forgot how this stuff works. Now you got you got to bear with me here. This is the part of the show where I usually run down what we will be talking about for the next. You know, usually it's about two or three hours. We may be here a while tonight. We got a lot of shit going on. I'm going to try to get you up. I can't can't cover all the mass shootings that have happened in the last two weeks since you have seen me. But we're going to try to uh, hit the high points, I guess. Because, you know, wrong one. It wasn't supposed to be content fuckers. Because, you know, it's just another day. Sparkles, Simp, so glad to see you guys. We are only on YouTube and Kick, and then you might be listening to this later on Spotify or Odyssey or Rumble or something like that. But hey, I just wanted to pop in. I wanted to break up the monotony. 
because I've missed you guys, and I, I don't know what that news be doing, and I need to get up on what that news be doing. So we got a lot of shit to cover here tonight, a lot of foreign affairs. So starting off tonight, we're going to go over the elections in uh, the UK. We're going to talk about Liz Truss and her bathrobe scandal. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what to expect for uh, Charles's coronation coming up here in a couple days. Or is it tomorrow? Shit, does it start tomorrow, Warlord? It's, we're, we're close. We're on the precipice. I don't know the exact day it starts because who fucking cares about the monarchy? Uh, apparently the quiche. Uh, the, the official dish is a quiche. <laughs> and it's caused a lot of problems. Oh, God. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Liz Truss and the bathrobe scandal. That's where it's at. That's, that's what I'm going to be most interested in. The French. The French are cracking down on continued protests. I haven't, I haven't been on a lot in the last two months, but I'm glad to know that the protests in France have continued to intensify since I've been off. Israel doing real Israel shit. Uh, we're going to talk about the killing of three Palestinians in a raid. I believe it happened in an illegal settlement as well. Russian drone strike. We have video of a drone striking the Kremlin. Apparently, Putin is blaming it on the U.S. Uh, Ukraine has said that they had no involvement in it. We got some cool video. We'll get the latest on that. Plus, the Sudan has devolved into complete and total chaos as two warlords, not my mod, not my, not my, my good buddy mod warlord there in the chat, two warlords battling out over um, supremacy. Battling it out for supremacy. Sudanian supremacy! I have no fucking clue. The politics that goes into uh, the conflict in the Sudan currently devolving. That's why we're going to watch a neat little piece from Al Jazeera and find out exactly what's going on. There was a ceasefire uh, that was agreed to yesterday, but apparently that didn't hold and fighting is intensifying as we speak right now. There was a school shooting in Serbia. That doesn't happen very often. This is not something we hear about in other countries. But to all you Serbian children out there... Inside you are two warlords. The Bratad. What's going on? (laughs) damn did they already pass gun control legislation simp fuck I hadn't heard that wow see other countries (laughs) uh, take the death of children seriously and actually do something and institute policy uh, hold on. I don't know. I don't know if my watch screen is going to be the correct screen. Let's see. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, I assume it'll be in the story when we get down to that, uh, simp. This is totally me. I relate to this meme. I need to make this bag last. Also me. Moat two joints in the morning. 
Oh, I was packing a bowl over here. I do not have uh, marijuana right now, but I do have CBD. CBD. CBD, as some of the other uh, YouTubers and such call it. Try to get around that uh, YouTube demonetization. I don't care. We're going to cover so much fucking bullshit tonight. There is no way that my video will be monetized. We'll smoke a little set. God damn. They did not give me, they did not give me Sabbath day. This is just, this is just some fucking clippings. This is gla grass clippings. They just went and got off of the fucking sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, granted, granted, I did not, um, I did not go to that store to buy Sabbath day. Remember, we're in a quasi-legal state. What that means is it's still not legal to sell yet, so you have to do some uh, a shell game in order to get your legal THC. Hi, Maynard. What's going on, buddy? Sprinkles gonna hop on camera here. What's up, Sprinkles? How you doing, buddy? He is not happy about that. But I've actually gotten into the Sabbath day. I enjoy it. Dude, dude, dude. Uh, speaking of guns, you know you know what country needs to fucking pass some gun control? Uh, it's called the United States of Mass Fucking Shootings. Shooting happening in Georgia. Multiple fatalities reported. And this is not the one that happened in Atlanta yesterday or day before yesterday. <laughs> This is a new one that has just occurred in the last couple of hours. This was in South Georgia. Also going to tell you about the Atlanta shooter who was apprehended after a manhunt. There was a days-long manhunt. The Atlanta shooter was just an hours-long manhunt. There was a days-long manhunt that took place in Texas. Apparently, a dude's wife has been arrested with him. We're going to go over that. We're going to show you crazy-ass video from a Fox TV station in Memphis, Tennessee. Not that Fox, not Fox News, a Fox affiliate. So these these people are innocent. A gunman popped into the station. I do not believe anybody was injured. However, the video is wild. We're going to go over things to know if you are caught in a mass shooting because apparently uh, that's a good possibility in this country that you could get caught in a mass shooting because now people are popping up and have been in two. There are people, there are so many mass shootings in this country, there are people out here that have now been in, there are multiple people that have been in multiple mass shootings. But hey, it's not just mass shootings you need to worry about in this country. Uh, if you get into the wrong car, you may be shot. If your basketball rolls into somebody else's yard, you may be shot. If you're going to pick up your little brother and you knock on the wrong fucking door, you may be shot. Or let's say you're having a mental health crisis on a subway and you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're having a bit of a breakdown and you throw your jacket on the ground. Do you think you should be executed for that? I personally don't. But apparently, there's quite a few people in this country that thinks that's an executable offense. And fuck those people. 
I'm going to show you a woman. Uh, this happened over a year ago. But the video was just released in the last few days. He was being questioned about a DUI, and man, her reaction will send shivers down your spine. Masked teens jumped on a bus in Maryland and attempted to shoot a 14-year-old in the head. Do you remember in Idaho, the criminal justice student who was arrested for the stabbing of four people? I believe it was three young ladies and a dude. He is confident he will be exonerated. And the girl that was in the apartment, or the young lady that was in the apartment that didn't get stabbed is now going to testify, is going to sit for a a deposition with the defense because the defense says she has exculpatory evidence that will free him. Because, I mean, I was pretty sure they caught the right guy, but now I am open to the possibility that the cops absolutely got it wrong. But, wow. (laughs) Uh, a lot of twists and turns in this story. So, he thinks he will not be convicted on a charge of murder. Meanwhile, several Proud Boys were convicted on a charge of seditious conspiracy. We're going to hear from Merrick Garland regarding the guilty verdicts reached earlier today. Speaking of Proud Boys, we're going to go over the text from Tucker Carlson that apparently got him fired from Fox News. We've also got some video that was leaked by Fox where he was bitching about Fox. Then we're going to get into some corruption. Yeah! Gorsuch, Alito, Kavanaugh, Thomas. Apparently, they've all got some ethics problems. We're going to hear from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who brought receipts. That's what he said on Twitter. (laughs) He's like, I brought the receipts. Herschel Walker also has a bit of an ethics problem. Apparently, he approached a rich donor, asked for money for both his business and his campaign. This uh, This rich donor made the donation to the business thinking it was for the campaign. But I mean, we can trust Herschel Walker to investigate himself, right? Because he was an FBI agent. He has worked with local police. Right-wingers have a gigantic boner over a letter sent by Chuck Grassley where Grassley says he has information from an alleged whistleblower that the FBI has been participating in a cover-up, that there was a bribery scandal with the Biden family. I'll believe it when I see it. I think Chuck Grassley is full of fucking shit. Let's talk about Biden administration policy. 
You're coming up on the end of Title 42. Biden is apparently sending troops down to the border in anticipation of some sort of... I heard it called a murder and rape invasion. That's what somebody on Twitter called it, a murder and rape invasion. I mean, we know who he's citing there. It's Donald Trump. Because a bunch of families fleeing violence in South America is somehow a murder and rape invasion. The CDC held a conference. Never going to guess what happened there. It had an outbreak of COVID. <laughs> God damn. Down in Florida, the right wing legislature expanding expanding their so-called don't say gay bill. Meanwhile, I have a piece of footage of a disgusting comment made by one of those lawmakers. It will absolutely incense you. And then right after we watch the video of one of those lawmakers that will incense you, I'm going to show you the Florida Democrats doing a little uh, line dancing with the Florida fascist GOP. It is seriously the worst fucking timeline. Then we're going to talk about some strikes. REI Durham earlier today called an emergency strike. We got several strikes. I am not going to get to devote enough time to worker action tonight because we got so much shit to cover. Hopefully I'll come back on a day next week. We'll do all kinds of shit about worker action because we got a lot of strikes. Shit of getting ready to blow in this country. The writer's strike currently ongoing. Both the East Coast and West Coast. Writer's Guild striking. Ben Shapiro says writers are screwed and presented an AI written script as evidence. We, as in my evidence that the writers aren't screwed, is we're going to read Ben Shapiro's AI generated script. And then we're going to watch an AI-generated beer commercial. And it's fucking weird. And after we uh, go through all that shitty-ass rotting, we'll get to some good rotting. I missed out on the White House Correspondents' Dinner. We're going to watch Roy Wood's set from the Correspondents' Dinner. All that and more tonight on the Troll Patrol, live. Flash! What's going on, my friend? D's nuts! How is everyone tonight? When Maynard is feeling cute. Oh, Simp, Simp, that's uh, Sparkles. Nicknamed Maynard Sprinkles. And for some reason, the other day, he hopped in the bathtub, and I'm like, Now, Sprinkles, what do you think you're doing? Lib's gonna live. What does that mean, Flash? I don't think so. So I, uh, progressive aunt. 
Good evening. So glad to see you. I know. I'm still, um, we're still serving our ban on Twitch. And we've still got a strike and a warning on YouTube. So we're about 12 days away from the strike and the warning coming off on YouTube. And I think we're less than that from uh, getting our Twitch back. So by like May, by the by the uh, by the spring solstice, no summer solstice, by the summer solstice, the spring solstice, by the summer solstice, that is the summer solstice, isn't it? Yeah, 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 summer solstice. I'll be back. Regularly again, regularly. I'm going to pop in every now and again. We're going to find out what that news be doing like we're going to do tonight. Because we got way too much shit to talk about. Um, we think it was where I played the body cam footage from the Louisville mass shooting. It was blurred though. So I don't know, however... Somebody in the chat was like, doesn't this violate terms of service? And I went off on this whole rant about like, I don't give a shit about terms of service. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I probably shouldn't have done that because that's, um, that was almost like daring people to report me. <laughs> as if, as if I don't have enough people, uh, rotting my nuts, trying to get me banned. Hi, DM. Hope you're doing well, you dumb motherfucker. I I fofoed? I don't know what that acronym means. Am I gonna have to look this up? Am I gonna have to go to Urban Dictionary? Or am I just going to type this in? It's going to pop up. Apparently it's a song. Fuck around and find out. Okay. Okay. How did I not? How did I not know? Uh, Tucker Carlson tucked around and found out. But we're going to start off tonight. Uh... Appeasing my head mod. I know, Mater. I'm sorry. We're going to do some British news. They got elections going on across the pond. Porg! Porg, good evening. I'm so glad to see everybody. I can't wait till we're back full power on Twitch, on DLive, on Facebook. We're only on Kick and we're only on YouTube tonight. Or you might be watching this at a later time on Spotify or some shit. So here's some good news. We're going to start off with some good news for you tonight. The Tories are braced to get their asses, asses handed to them. Experts are predicting that the conservatives could lose more than 1,000 seats. Kind of unpopular if you guys didn't know. The Conservative Party is braced for a tough night at polls. Uh, as polls close and local elections across the country, uh, polls closed at 10 p.m. And members now have an anxious wait ahead as votes are counted. 
Experts have predicted the Tories could lose more than 1,000 seats in local elections, and even the party's own officials predict it will be a tough night. A spokesman said this will be a tough night for the Conservatives. Any government which has been in power for 13 years is highly likely to lose seats. Independent experts Rawlings and Thrasher Rawlings and Thrasher have said we could lose over 1,000 seats. But if Labor want to be uh, in with a chance of taking office after the next general elections, uh, as they did in 1997, they need to be making very significant gains as they did in 1995, the last most comparable election. Anything less than that will pose serious questions for Labor HQ. I'm not uh, very excited by what the Labor Party is doing. They have continued to bash Jeremy Corbyn. They've expelled him, I do believe. Here's Starmer, not doing a good job of bringing in progressives. Seems like a real shit lib over in the Labor Party. Voters are required to present photo identification for the first time to prove who they were when arriving at polling stations today. So some key points. Voters turned away for not having a correct ID. Fears even voters with ID could be turned away under new rules. Oh, wow. We talked about that here in the United States. So last update was around an hour ago. The polls closed, what, about two hours ago? An hour and a half ago, Warlord. So we'll have to check in. It is local elections. So I don't know how long it will take them to count the votes and how expedient their local municipalities are at administering their elections. One of the reasons why the conservatives are so fucking unpopular has to do a lot with a lady by the name of Liz Truss. I don't I don't think that's uh, that's one of the main reasons, but she plays into it. The case of the missing bathrobes. What Liz Truss's latest gaffe tells us about grubbiness and greed. Trust the shortest serving prime minister in UK history, may not know how to govern, but she certainly knows how to holiday. The former Tory leader is disputing part of a 12, uh, this is a 12,000 euro bill relating to summer parties held at, uh, what, Chevening? Is that how you say that shit? Chevening? When she was foreign secretary. So this is a few years back. Most of the bills relate to hospitality, but charges for some missing items are raising eyebrows. It seems someone in Trust's circle made off with bathrobes worth about 120 euros. Or is that pounds? I don't even fucking know. I'm a dumb American. Slippers. Slippers were also pilfered. While I am sure it's completely unrelated, The Guardian reported last year that traces of a white powder suspected to be uh, cocaine were found at Shevening in the days before Trust became Prime Minister. That's pounds. Uh, So 12,000 pounds worth of goods she stole. I am not saying that Trust held cocaine-fueled... I don't believe Liz Trust. I've seen pictures of the woman. She doesn't look like she's the partying type. That's being prejudiced of me. Maybe... Maybe she's super based. Maybe maybe she'd let you do a line off of her ass crack. Who knows? 
I am not saying, but if you want to do lines off of ass cracks, I do need to give you a piece of advice. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. I'm not saying that Trust Hill cocaine-fueled raves where people danced around in misappropriated bathrobes. I'm just saying that when you put all these facts together, this is the sort of imagery that comes to mind. Cocaine is so 80s. Well, I mean, that's what the conservatives are trying to do. They're trying to bring back the, the good old days of Thatcher, right? Oh. Oh, Britain. You crazy fucking country. You and your monarchy. A visual guide to King Charles's, uh, Charles III's coronation. From huge diamonds to ornate swords. These are the priceless symbols to know as Britain's new monarch is crowned. So yeah, the ceremony is in two days. For generations of Britons, the coronation of King Charles III will be the first crowning of a new sovereign they'll experience. In recent years, we've witnessed the pageantry of royal weddings and jubilee celebrations, but few will be familiar with the coronation rubric, some of which has remained unchanged for more than a thousand years. Ceremony on May 6th. Hey, this is the Derby. May 6th is the Derby. No, the... The fucking king doesn't get to, to, to upstage the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Fuck off. That's the only pageantry I will be uh, participating in this weekend. These nuts says, they say ornate swords. I hear cock extensions. In a rare interview ahead of the coronation, Charles's sister, Princess Anne, I've never even heard of Princess Anne. Who the fuck is Princess Anne? Oh, okay. Yep. She's definitely part of that inbred family. Does Warlord have to turn it off when I do British news? Because, like, you're not allowed to make fun of the monarchy or shit over there. <laughs> do you turn my stream off? Oh, shit. That's Prince Anne, or Princess Anne. Oh, you can make fun? I thought there was some sort, or is it just like on television, like BBC can't make fun of them or some shit? Because like John Oliver like has to make a different episode when he does shit about that. I thought. He makes a different episode for the British audience. In Thailand, you can't make fun of the king? I, I would think Thailand would be a place you'd really want to make fun of the fucking British king. 
Uh, the coronation will be a theatrical affair unlike anything the nation has seen for nearly seven decades. A dazzling collection of sacred regalia, usually kept in the Tower of London, will be presented to Charles during the ceremony, formalizing his metamorphosis from prince to monarch. <clears throat> I am so sorry, I just... See, it's been a long time since I've done this. I just muted the watch audio and then coughed into the microphone. My apologies. Oh, shit. Is that from when they were doing the... the like, is that that's the hologram of the queen as she was... As, like, her fucking ashes were being carried around or some shit after her death? Oh, that's the Diamond Jubilee. Oh, she was alive in that picture? Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I bet it is. And not just gold flake. That's just like solid gold, isn't it, Warlord? It's your ghost in that photo. <laughs> so this will be the king's procession procession route procession route from Westminster Abbey through Downing Street, uh, make a left, go down the mall, all the way to Buckingham Palace. Oh, and it's probably gold they stole from like a fucking seven-year-old in Africa somewhere, too. That's the gold state coach. I guess that was the 1762 version of it. Saturday's coronation is set to begin at 11 a.m. Eastern time, or I'm sorry, 11 a.m. That would be uh, Greenwich Mean Time, 6 a.m. Eastern time. Expected to last around two hours. Processions into the Abbey will start with faith leaders followed by representatives. Oh, I got to have the faith leaders in there. Bless this inbred pedophile family. Processions into the Abbey will start with faith leaders followed by representatives from each of the realms. Wait, what? Each of the realms? Is this like in God of War where you gotta go down you gotta like spin the dial to get to other realms and shit? That's not what it means in American English. King Charles and Queen Camilla will each be attended by four pages throughout the service. The pages, among them Charles' grandson, Prince George, and Camilla's three grandsons, Gus and Louis Lopez, and Freddie Parker Bowles, as well as her great-nephew, Arthur Elliott, will also participate in the processions. The service will lean on tradition, but also, as is tradition, ain't no realm of America. We don't worship your fucking crown. A musical program personally selected by Charles, who was enlisted the help of acclaimed British composer Andrew Lloyd Webber, to write one of the 12 new pieces for the occasion. Now, I do know that Elton John... 
Elton John turned him down. Apparently Adele turned him down as well. So uh, who's their big name? Who was their big get, Warlord? It doesn't say here in the, uh, other than Andrew Lloyd Webber. It doesn't say exactly who the uh, the big name is. Biden had Lady Gaga. Who's, who's uh, Charles going to pull out here? There's one of those ornate swords. The realm of Bangkok. <laughs> okay, what? Well, they just garish jewelry. Gaudy fucking bullshit. They stole from other countries. I hate it. It's all disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm gonna get off of this. We we got so much other uh, horrendous shit to talk about. Oh, from the British to the French. Protests were go- when I was still uh, regularly doing the news back in February. Protests erupted in France as proposals to raise the retirement age put on the table, Macron has forced them, have forced them through, uh, absolutely poured. Macron pushed through the raising of the retirement age <laughs> to save France. French police are now sweeping up protesters and bystanders in a crackdown on dissent. French authorities are detaining demonstrators without filing charges as public anger persists over President Emmanuel Macron's unpopular hike in the retirement age. On March 18th, with protests raging across France over an unpopular hike in the retirement age, police in Paris detained an individual in the heart of the Latin Quarter. The arresting officer checked off boxes indicating the person had been detained for participating in a group preparing to commit violence and participating in a crowd despite orders to disperse. Two of the most common criminal accusations leveled at protesters in France and ones that advocates say are now overused to the point of abuse. But according to a formal arrest sheet shared with The Intercept by Paris-based human rights lawyer Raphael Kampf, the only detail provided by the officer for these violations read as follows. Black pants and black jacket, sunglasses, North African, short, black hair. The detainee was later released without charge, but the real goal to sweep up demonstrators and tamp down protests was accomplished. According to human rights attorneys, alarmed at the style of the French crackdown, alongside a team of the lawyers and nearly 100 plaintiffs, Kampf is now suing the Paris police and prosecutor's office for what he deems arbitrary arrest, a practice that many defenders of civil liberties in France believe is increasingly used in order to quell protests. The practice was honed during the Yellow Vest protests over the rising cost of living, which erupted in late 2018. At the height of that movement, around 5,000 to roughly 11,000 people arrested were ultimately prosecuted, according to government figures shared with Amnesty International. Only about 3,000 were convicted of anything. Ari Alimi, 
another prominent lawyer specialized in civil liberties and a member of France's Human Rights League, also pointed to a December 2020 protest in Paris over a proposed national security law in which the overwhelming majority of the 150 arrests did not lead to prosecutions. Underlying these arrests are a string of laws that critics say have been weaponized against protesters. That includes a prohibition on participation in a crowd susceptible of troubling public uh, order. And a ban on partially covering one's face in a demonstration without a legitimate motive. A requirement complicated by the coronavirus pandemic. Most of all, police tend to cite a 2010 law that bans participating in a group preparing acts of violence. French human rights observers are also sounding the alarm over outright bans on demonstrations, including a particularly absurd crackdown on kitchen utensils. They just want to prepare some soup for their families. Come the fuck on. Ever since demonstrators responded to a primetime speech from President Emmanuel Macron last month by gathering in cities and towns and banging on pots and pans, this particular form of noisemaking has come to symbolize opposition to the government's new pension law. The reforms, which were unveiled in January and signed into law last month, raised the retirement uh, eligibility age from 62 to 64 and have been met with waves of protest and nationwide strikes. Ida, good evening. The so-called casseroleades have greeted cabinet members at many of their recent appearances. I, I advocate for us to adopt that here in the U.S., now, there are, I, I didn't get a chance because we got way too much shit to talk about tonight. There are two women who have been accused of throwing drinks in Matt Gates' face, and I think that's totally based. I encourage them to do that, but maybe we just need to clank some pots and pans at them. So, yes, we, we are going to be back full-time, nightly, Sunday through Thursday, doing the news come May 21st, or May 20th. I can't remember which day it is. Whatever that Sunday is. Have they no sense of habeas corpus? Uh, that's a U.S. Constitution thing, unfortunately. I don't know, where's the word come from? That word might actually be French. I'm gonna look it up, let's find out. Oh, it's probably Latin. Europe was the first to introduce it to the, the jury system. It does sound very French Revolution to me. Let's hear the history. Let's the etymology. Uh, medieval Latin. For those of you not aware, uh, is the resource in law through which a person can report an unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court and request that the court order the custodian of the person, usually a prison official, to bring the prisoner to court to determine whether the detention is unlawful. So it was William Blackstone in the 18th century. And who was William Blackstone? He was a Tory. He was a Tory. My, 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 how things have changed. How those Tories doing over there, Warlord? Are they uh, still on track for a walloping tonight? We'll check back in with the BBC here in a little bit, see if they have some results.
Move to a different region of Eurasia. Uh, chainsaw, we should be on kick. Is it not on kick? Uh, I was getting kick set up when I got banned, so I'm not sure if it's working or not. It says I'm streaming. Restream says it's on. Uh, it doesn't look like if I go to kick, it says, no, it says I'm live. Yeah, I'm on kick. Yo. Um, did, did you try to comment? Can somebody do, please go over to kick and see if comments work over there. That would be nice. I would appreciate that. I think they do now. They they didn't before, but uh, Restream gave me the option to actually, instead of, you know, manually insert, inserting kick, I now have the... I, it may be being glitchy, too. Twitter sure is being glitchy. God damn that fucking site. It's gonna be a while, Chainsaw. I got fucking six pages of notes, and we ain't even through, like, the first four stories. <laughs> oh, God. Let's move over to Israel. Israel raids Nablus, kills three Palestinians. I just looked, Warlord. It says I'm online. I think. Did I, did I imagine that? Am I on the, are you on the right channel? We looking pretty live to me. We. Oh yes, for those of you who are unaware, um, Borg, Borg, please check back in. Come watch the, come watch the VOD. It'll be up. It'll be hours and hours of entertainment. It was, it was awesome seeing you though. I can't wait till I'm seeing you on a regular basis here in a couple weeks. So over the last couple of years, I, I've taken a lot of flack for being a, um, a film student and never seeing Star Wars. For years and years and years, people have bashed me for never watching Star Wars. The last three years, I, on uh, Star Wars Day, May 4th, which is today, I watched the first three. Seen the original trilogy now. I watched the, what? Revenge of the, no. Empire Strikes Back was the second one, and then the... Fuck, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> what was the third one again? The third one, New Hope. Okay, it sucked. It was the suckiest of the three. Hands down, by far, that movie sucked. The second one wasn't as good as the first one. Okay, so that's that's my Star Wars experience right now. Oh, I'm the four, five, and six. These nuts is right. These nuts is right. I'm sorry. I'm watching number one tonight. Phantom Menace. The first one was surprisingly good. 
Like, I was not expecting the first one to be as good as it was. I was, I, I thought uh, Darth Vader was awesome. Four, no. Six. I thought six sucks. Four, four was excellent. Five was all right. And then six just sucked ass. Like, by the time you get to, uh, by the time you get to six, like, Luke is such a fucking pussy. And then Harrison Ford's character, what, what, what was his name again? Uh, Han, Han Solo, is that it? Yeah, um... Why was he such a why was he such a goof by the third one? What the hell? Yeah, I'm running people off now. <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh goddamn. I thought he was just like an imbecile by the third one. That character went way downhill. And then like Obi was the coolest one. And he dies in the first one. Spoiler alert. So fuck all that shit. And then you got, uh, what was that fucking Muppet dance? The fuck? In the, in the shit where the job of the hut was in that bar that they go into at the beginning of the movie. Fuck that. Fuck that song and dance number. Holy fucking shit. Like what? I'm sorry, I really am. I'm fucking upsetting people. But yeah, tonight is uh, Phantom Menace. I have to watch Phantom Menace. I'm dreading it. I've I've heard fucking even Star Wars fans say it's one of the shittiest movies they've ever seen. And and I'm not high enough for this shit. I don't have any marijuana. So how how am I supposed to how am I supposed to watch such a shitty ass movie? Without any marijuana. Well, I don't know. I'm not to eight yet. What fucking? I'll be watching eight in what? Twenty twenty seven. We'll, we'll be coming up on the next presidential election by the time I get to eight. We'll be coming up on the fucking Democratic primaries. Also, that is the reason why, uh, if you guys are wondering why I've stayed off YouTube and everything, it's because I'm afraid of getting another strike. I want to let my warning come off. If I keep getting strikes, the warning never comes off. So I want to be free and clear as we're going into election season in the fall. Because guys, you do realize we're four months, five months from uh, presidential debates, if not sooner. If they don't even start fucking July this year. So prepare thine asses. We are gearing up for presidential politics fast. 
going to get a shit ton of primary debates. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're probably... We'll be watching like two or three uh, Democracy Now! hosting RFK and Marianne Williamson talking to each other. Maybe there's maybe there's two more people. Well, no, there's going to be there's going to be Republican primary debates, and that Trump probably won't be in those debates. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Oh, that dance scene wasn't in the original cut. Well, it sucked. Well, they are presidential debates. They're primary debates for the presidential race. Here's a, okay. It looks like Ron DeSantis isn't going to run, but maybe he does. I don't know. I can't like. DeSantis is, like, fucking missing his opportunity. The thing about Trump and health issues, he is indeed very old, but we have no indication that motherfucker isn't healthy. DeSantis is not going to defeat the mouse. The mouse uh, has his ass. Yes, warlord, we know Biden is older. It's only about like three years though. I just, I don't know. Whether DeSantis runs or he doesn't run, I don't know. <laughs> Mater, Mater, like I, I just try to get off Star Wars. And by the way, if if I had uh, been, been in my usual um, rhythm, I would have made like a Star Wars graphic for the show. We'd have some kind of background with with I don't. The chat is all Star Wars now. Uh, Tadpole, uh, Tadpole very much wanted me to uh, watch it and and like do a reaction stream to it. Tadpole, Tadpole said he would pay for that. Back in my day, Han shot first. Yeah, I don't even know, but like they like they re-edited a scene or some shit. Apparently, it was a preemptive shot, and they re-edited it to make it look like the fucking Federation or the Empire. Or I don't even fucking know. Federation's rigging more, isn't it? I don't even fuck. I don't fucking. I don't know shit about Star Wars. Here's ten dollars. Go see a Star War. All right, Flash. All right. I'll 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 withhold judgment. Like I've been dreading it, but I'll 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 try to be as impartial as I can. Come into it with an open mind. Anyway, we got a lot of fucking news to do, and I got a movie to watch tonight, so we need to get to it. 
Israel raids Nablus, kills three Palestinians over settler attack. Hamas confirms three of its members killed in the raid. Israel says they were responsible for April shooting that killed a mother and her two daughters. Well, at least they admit it. The Israeli army has killed at least three Palestinian fighters and wounded four others while firing live ammunition during a raid in Nablus in the northern occupied West Bank, according to Palestinian officials. The Israeli army and intelligence service said in a statement that the men were behind an attack on April 7th north of Jericho that killed two British-Israeli sisters when gunmen opened fire on their vehicle. Their mother also later died of her room or of her wounds. Ethnic cleansing Judea, indeed. Now, I think I, I got that wrong. There. So the the mother and daughter, or the mother and her two daughters, they were Israelis, and Israel is saying that the men that they attacked were responsible for that attack. Hello, we begin with breaking news from the occupied West Bank, where three Palestinians have been killed and several wounded during a raid by Israeli forces in the city of Nablus. The Israeli army says two of the victims were responsible for last month's drive-by shooting in the Jordan Valley, which killed three Israeli settlers, a mother and her two daughters. Let's go to occupied East Jerusalem and speak to Mohammed Jamjoum. What more are we learning about this? We've gotten some more details uh, just in the past several minutes. Israeli army radio is saying that there were more than 200 Israeli soldiers that participated in this raid that happened in the old city of Nablus in the occupied West Bank earlier this morning. What we know so far from the Israeli military is this, uh, that those soldiers went into the old city in Nablus in the occupied West Bank uh, and that they killed three Palestinian men. The Israeli army accuses these men of having been behind the killing of Lucy, Rina, and Maya D. Those are those British-Israeli citizen, dual citizens that were settlers. They were killed in a drive-by shooting uh, in April, on April 7th, so just about a month ago. The Israeli army says that they conducted a thorough investigation, that they uncovered that these men, according to them, were behind those killings. They say that two of them... Oh, cool. They were behind those killings. Well, I believe they deserve a trial. Just executing them in the streets is kind of fucked. The men actually carried out the killing and that one of the Palestinian men assisted uh, in getting weapons and planning the attack. Now, this is something that is very worrying for the Israeli government, obviously. We have seen almost nightly raids into the occupied West Bank carried out by the Israeli military over the last several months. And one of the reasons for that is because of the fact that the Israeli government continues to accuse the Palestinian Authority of not doing enough to, in their words, curb militancy in places like Nablus. The Israeli government keeps saying that there are these lone wolf attackers and that the Palestinian authorities should be doing more to make sure uh, that these people cannot carry out attacks against Israeli citizens. Sounds like why are you hitting yourself?
We expect to have more details in the hours to come. We have heard one thing from the Qassam brigades, that is the military wing of Hamas. They issued a statement in which they praised these three men. They called them martyrs, and they also said that the killing of these men will not limit uh, the ability of Hamas or the Qassam brigades to limit its strikes and operations or to stop um, the, its attacks. Uh, we've also heard one statement from the Palestinian Authority. They have condemned this raid by the Israeli army in Nablus this morning. Thank you so much. Mohammed Jamjum reporting from occupied East Jerusalem. Hello, we begin with break. As the funerals for the three men were held, political factions in Nablus announced a general strike on Thursday. Solidarity. Speaking of strike, let's talk about a drone strike. A drone strike on the Kremlin. Apparently Russia is claiming the U.S. was behind it. I kind of have my doubts. state media has released this video of drones exploding in the heart of Moscow. One smashing into the Kremlin's iconic domes, then a second exploding as it approaches the Russian flag. Russia has accused both Ukraine and the U.S. of attempting to assassinate Russian President Vladimir Putin, who wasn't there at the time. There's a word that comes to mind that I'm obviously not, uh, not appropriate to use on national. Now, as people have pointed out, Putin doesn't sleep in the Kremlin. The idea that they were trying to assassinate him is kind of absurd. Time. There's a word that comes to mind that I'm obviously not, uh, not appropriate to use on national TV. On CNN today, White House spokesman John Kirby said Russia is... Was he going to drop an N-bomb? Why? What? What? Why? Lying about U.S. involvement. It's a ludicrous claim. The United States had nothing to do with this. We don't even know exactly what happened here. Ukrainian President Zelensky also denying Ukraine was behind the drone strike. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. We fight on, on our territory. Questions remain about whether this was a real attack or staged by the Russians. There are reasons that Putin could conceivably want to conduct a false flag operation here. He wants to fire up the Russian people. Overnight, air defense systems in Kyiv took out incoming drones believed to be part of Russian retaliation. Elsewhere, new strikes killing more than 20 civilians in the southern city of Kherson. Images showing destruction at a grocery store and a train station with nearly 50 people hurt. All of this coming ahead of a planned spring counteroffensive by Ukraine. In a statement, Russia called the alleged drone attack a planned terrorist attack. The Kremlin also issuing the warning that Russia has the right to retaliate when and where it sees necessary. Lindsay Watts, ABC News, Washington. I will say if you would like a good explainer of what is going on and possible outcomes, this past week's episode of the podcast Intercepted by The Intercept, uh, Jeremy Scahill had on an expert in um, Chinese affairs. And they talked about uh, China and Taiwan for the first half, but then they discussed uh, China and the possibility that... Beijing could broker the peace deal for this. And if if Beijing steps in 
and they're the ones to broker the peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. That's the new world order. The the U.S. is no longer the world superpower. It's China. Like that's 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 the turning point. Chicken-powered nuclear landmine. Is that real? And they do, they discuss the use of tactical uh, nukes in the episode and the reasons why Putin wouldn't want to use them and the, uh, the things that the U.S. could do that could cause it. Fucking shit, it is real. What the, what? What? In 1954, the British engineers behind Blue Peacock designed a nuclear... And by the way, Blue Peacock sounds like uh, some kind of STD you can get. These motherfuckers over here living in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? Designed a nuclear landmine to use against the Soviets, and it was dependent upon live chickens. Well, let's find out what Order 66 is, too, shall we? Also known as Clone Protocol 66, or simply the Order was a top-secret order identified a all Jedi. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Ah, identifying all Jedi as traitors to the Galactic Republic. I didn't even notice it said Wikipedia. <laughs> Was this something in one of the movies I've already watched? <laughs> or did you just spoil one of the movies I haven't watched? You people. What do you mean by you people? God damn, it's from Revenge of the Sith. That's one I haven't watched yet, right? The Mater thinks I'm going to like the prequels. We'll see. We'll, I'll, I'll check in with you next week. But before we talk about Star Wars, let's talk about some real wars. Sudan. Let's talk about what's happening in Sudan. Rival forces remain locked in a power struggle despite international calls for a ceasefire. I've seen Spaceballs and I didn't like it, but I hadn't seen Star Wars when I'd seen Spaceballs. So that might play into it and also not growing up with Star Wars, not, you know, like it's, it's kind of a dated movie. So as someone just going into it fresh in like 2019, maybe 2018, something like that. I think Sparkles and I might have watched it. 
Airplane's amazing. I fucking love Airplane. We're trying to talk about some... Star Trek is awesome. Uh, uh, Wrath of Khan was one of the first movies uh, I watched on my 4K TV. Fantastic. Um, just because you're British doesn't mean that you get to demean Africa. Like, dude, dude, we saw all that fucking gold and all those diamonds and shit you Brits have. Where do you think that shit came from? Probably stole it from a six-year-old little girl in Africa somewhere. Let's talk about what's happening in Sudan. Rival forces remain locked in a power struggle despite international calls for a ceasefire. It's an all-out battle for control of the country between Sudan's army and a paramilitary unit known as the Rapid Support Forces, the RSF, led by men who used to be allies. Hundreds of people have been killed and hundreds have been injured. There's fighting in different parts of Sudan, but it's heaviest in the capital, Khartoum. There have been attempts at a ceasefire, but they haven't lasted. There have been air attacks and shelling. The airport has been severely damaged. There's no running water or electricity. Supplies of food are running low. This ridiculous battle that has civilians caught in the middle. And we have nothing to do with this. So what's behind the fighting? Well, people in Sudan have been struggling to set up a democracy after decades under one-man rule. Omar al-Bashir came to power in a military coup in the late 1980s, became president, and stayed for 30 years, until people rose up and demanded that he step down. Then the army took over, and people didn't want them in charge either. So after pressure from protesters, the army agreed to share power with different political groups in a transitional government. The idea was that it would oversee a transition to a democratic system. But two years later, the army kicked out the prime minister and seized power again. The people in Sudan seem to be trapped in this limbo and they're going around and around in a circle that involves the same people, you know, with no clear path or trajectory on how they can actually start to plan. Uh, for a transition. There have been ongoing talks to make that transition happen between the military and political groups representing that pro-democracy movement. But a major reason the process is being held up is because of an underlying rivalry between the army and the rapid support forces that have become like a second army. And many people see this as a personal rivalry between the army's leader, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, who's effectively the leader of the country, and the leader of the RSF, General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalu, widely known as Hameti. The thing is, for years, both men were on the same side and had been since the war in Darfur. Hameti led a militia at the time widely known as the Janjaweed, and they were used by al-Bashir's army to fight rebels in the region of Darfur. They were created to protect the upper echelon of the military and the senior commanders. They're accused of carrying out war crimes there, and al-Bashir actually got charged with committing genocide. In 2013, the militia were rebranded as the Rapid Support Forces and worked with the army on different missions. Then in 2019, Hameti and General Al-Burhan joined up to get rid of al-Bashir. And during the big pro-democracy protests, the RSF and the army were accused of killing more than 100 people. 
But since then, the RSF has been acting a lot more independently, and they've grown. Now, is Al Bashir dead, or did he flee? More powerful. They were able to establish vast investments uh, around the country and outside the country, especially in the gold trade. These two main actors, uh, the army and the rapid support forces, were able to collude, you know, now successfully for about four years uh, to stay in power themselves. Uh, he is incarcerated. Um, about who was the top dog between them. So that brings us to the fighting right now. As part of Sudan's transition to democracy, there have been talks about integrating the RSF into the army, but they can't agree over the timeline. The army proposed two years, while the RSF wanted it to be 10. The army, um, you know, had been making a stand. Uh, they realized that the, the rapid support forces uh, have been growing. Um, the head, General Hemeti, has political ambitions himself. Um, and I think there was a sense that if they did not somehow force uh, the rapid support forces to agree to integrate and to and to go under them, that this force would keep growing and, and grow out of the control of the formal military. It's unclear who started the fighting, but on April 15th, both sides started trading accusations that they had attacked each other's bases in Khartoum. Then they fought to take control of the presidential palace, the airport, and the state TV channel. Wow. The army has air power, and they've been hitting RSF bases in the capital, many of them in residential areas. The RSF don't have planes, but they do have anti-aircraft weapons, and they have about 100,000 men. There have been plenty of calls for the fighting to stop, from Sudan's neighbors, the African Union, the UN, the EU, the US, and the UK. And there could be some leverage from countries like Egypt, which has been a close ally to the Sudanese army, and on the other side, the UAE, which has ties to the RSF. But there's no sign that either side wants to back down. Right now, for a lot of people, it's, it, this is, it's a period of confusion. It's a period of uh, uncertainty. Um, about what's going to happen in the next few minutes, the next few hours, the next few days. And uh, it's a period of war and they have nowhere to turn to. A lot of people in Sudan are scared, heartbroken and frustrated. Their country keeps getting derailed off that path towards democracy. It's a hope that seems even more distant now. So that was a piece from Al Jazeera from about two weeks ago that gives you the background on what's going on. Let's catch you up on the latest. There is a ceasefire that was agreed to yesterday. This is that update. However, I do not believe this ceasefire has held. We know that many thousands of Sudanese have fled the country and their homes over the past few weeks. Well, joining us now on the phone line from Cairo is Mai Abdul Manim. She's a business owner from Khartoum who managed to escape the violence with her family a few days ago. Welcome to you. Thanks very much for being with us. Tell us about what's happened to you where you were when the fighting broke out. Yeah, notice how the BBC interviews a business owner who had the resources to flee. Um, <clears throat> hello. Uh, Sounds bougie. Oh, is it good afternoon. Um, uh, it, it, the fighting broke out on uh, uh, on Saturday, and I was uh, heading towards my uh, office. 
and uh, I was on the uh, airport road where the uh, gunfight uh, started, and I managed to um, escape and reach uh, uh, a hotel. Uh, stayed there for like um, an hour or so until I found uh, another way uh, to head to my relative's house, which is on the east side of the uh, of the city. And uh, I was, we were stuck there for almost uh, six days. Uh, I was uh, separated uh, from my children and my immediate family, who were on the other side of the city, uh, to the west. And uh, we only managed to get together um, on, uh, on, on Thursday, six days after uh, the gunfight broke out in Khartoum. And tell us how your children coped. You were separated from them, and their home, your home, was coming under attack. Yes, um, my my uh, my immediate family's home is in the Emirat um, area, uh, which is near uh, the uh, headquarters of the RSF, uh, which is a, a bit further. Uh, it's not like it's like a ten-minute drive. Five, so actually, it's a five, ten minutes. Not high enough for the shit. That entire region. Uh, this, this block of neighborhood uh, was um, unfortunately uh, suffered uh, uh, the most with uh, heavy gunfighting, uh, shelling, and God knows what else uh, was used. Um, unfortunately, by the third day, I realized that uh, my, my, my family was practically sandwiched uh, amongst snipers, hard uh, soldiers, uh, uh, basically uh, embedded in the uh, street behind the house. Um, there was a heavy, heavy gunfight, uh, as well as uh, uh, shelling that one, actually, uh, one, one rocket or one, I don't know what they call it, uh, landed on the roof of my, my brother's uh, bedroom. Wow. Uh, thankfully, he wasn't, he wasn't in it. He was downstairs. Uh, and... Uh, by the third day, I didn't, I, I hadn't, I, I mean, I wasn't aware of, of how dangerous it was, how my family was actually under, a, you know, like an existential threat, uh, until I, I, I sort of like gleaned that they were stuck, uh, literally huddling together in the middle of the house. Okay. Uh, because that was the most safest place uh, for them there. Maya, we must leave it there. Thank you very much for telling us about uh, how difficult the journey and the past few days has been for you. Thank you. And so that was the reporting on the ceasefire that they agreed to yesterday. Did not last. Did not last. Fighting intensifies, uh, intensifies in Khartoum, prompting evacuations from Sudan. This is today. This is reporting from uh, just a little bit ago. Fighting in Sudan has intensified between warring factions seeking to secure strategic locations as pressure grows from international powers to end hostilities and allow humanitarian assistance to reach millions of desperate civilians. Now, that is one of the things that France and the UK have been trying to negotiate to, let, to get both sides to agree that they will allow humanitarian aid in. Fierce battles on Thursday between the Sudanese army and its paramilitary opponents, the Rapid Support Forces, reminded residents in Khartoum, the capital, of the fierce combat that marked the first days of the war almost three weeks ago. The clashes were particularly intense around the presidential palace at the center of Khartoum, 
whose possession grants its occupants an appearance of legitimacy as the rulers of Sudan. Uh, the sprawling complex is now badly damaged and reported to be largely held by the RSF. U.S. is warning of new sanctions because that's exactly what we need to punish the people of Sudan even more during their time of crisis. <sighs> Africa heading north to Serbia. They say a 13-year-old boy killed at least nine people in a school shooting in the country's capital earlier today. That's right, and the victims include eight students and a- Now they're saying today, this was yesterday. This is a news report from yesterday. This attack happened yesterday in Serbia. A 13-year-old killed nine people. Security guard, several other children and a teacher were injured in this- Oh, and there was a security guard. The good guy with a gun didn't even work in Serbia. Nine people in a school shooting in the country's capital earlier today. That's right, and the victims include eight students and a security guard. Several other children and a teacher were injured in this attack. And police say the suspect was a seventh grade student at the primary school. Video from the scene shows police leading the suspect away from the school. They say he drew sketches of classrooms and had a list of targets. The teenager actually called police about the shooting himself. CBS News chorus, foreign correspondent MTS Tayeb is following the situation for us. MTS, so we know police has a suspect in custody. His father, though, was also arrested. What can you tell us? Good. Lana, Errol, so good to be with you. Uh, but a really terrible story. It's not often we talk about mass shootings in Europe. I know, obviously, it's a very different situation where you are, but what a grim situation in Serbia with the arrest of a 13-year-old boy after he killed eight of his classmates, seven of them girls, one of them a boy, and a security guard. We understand six other children are very seriously injured, a teacher as well. Uh, but the boy, as we've seen in those images, has been taken into custody. We understand he called the police himself to be arrested, uh, although others had called the police as well. Uh, now, we're also hearing that he will not be criminally charged because uh, under Serbian law, uh, children uh, cannot be charged for crimes, even as heinous as this one is. Uh, Good, I think. Will be charged. What exactly those charges are, we don't know yet. But the reason the father is being charged is because the two guns, the 99, or sorry, the nine millimeter pistols that were or pistols that were used in this attack, belonged to the father. Uh, they were legally registered firearms, but of course, uh, this 13 year old boy was able to have access to them had uh, three magazine rounds with 15 rounds inside of them and unleashed them on his classmates. Errol, Mono. It's very dark stuff there, MTRs, and you make those comparisons with the U.S. Much easier to get weapons in the U.S., much more difficult in places like Serbia, and, and you've noted how the father um, has been arrested. So what more are we learning about this seventh grader's potential motive? Yeah, it's a really good question, a perplexing question, uh, and one that I'm sure many parents who are grieving in Serbia are asking themselves, particularly those who've lost their children, just how could a 13-year-old want to do this, want to do this to his classmates? The short answer is we don't 
know yet. We have heard reports that uh, he may have been the victim of bullying. Some have even suggested he did poorly on exams. Uh, but to further to your point, uh, Errol, Serbia is a country which in the 1990s suffered a terrible war, the Balkans War, if you remember. Uh, there is I do. Of weapons in that country. In fact, mm -hmm. it is a country with the third largest number of weapons, uh, and uh, not many of them are registered. But this is also a country which, relative to, say, the U.S. and indeed other countries, has not had a lot of mass shootings. In fact, since 2007, there have only been four mass shootings. The most deadly was in. <laughs> four! Four! I'm getting ready to go over four that have happened in the last, like, two days in this country. You gotta bump those numbers up. Huh, huh, huh. Those are rookie numbers. Huh, huh, huh. In 2013, where 13 people were killed, all of which is terrible, but never has Serbia had a mass shooting at a school. Never has Serbia wow. had a 13-year-old, a minor, carry out such a... a How many have we had this year? But that is where that country is as it tries to understand this horrible tragedy. All right, MTS, thank you. They've had four mass shootings entirely. There's only one at a school. We've had four at a school in the last, like, two months, haven't we? Jesus! So, unfortunately, CBS did not, did not cover the uh, legislative action that uh, uh, Serbia took after the shooting. So, thank you for Simp for sharing this in the Discord. Serbia tightens gun control after deadly school shooting. A host of gun control measures were announced. Now, this just happened yesterday. Just happened yesterday. Serbia's interior, interior, interior Ministry warned gun owners on Thursday to keep their weapons empty and locked in gun cabinets or safe. The warning comes a day after a 13-year-old boy opened fire on his classmates, killing eight children and a security guard. Also wounded a teacher and six other pupils. Interior Ministry is appealing to all gun owners to store their guns with care, locked up in safes or closets so they are out of reach of others, particularly children. Police will do spot checks at registered gun owners' homes to ensure they keep weapons safe and those who are found to be negligent could be charged. As part of a host of gun control measures announced by President Alexander Vukic hours after Wednesday's shooting. Also announced a moratorium on new gun licenses uh, other than for hunting and said there would be a revision of existing permits and enhanced surveillance of shooting ranges. Good. The suspected teen shooter had visited shooting ranges with his father and used his pistol in the attack. The boy was admitted to a psychiatric institution for evaluation and a toxicology test returned negative. Under Serbian law, he is too young to be held criminally liable. Police said the teenager had planned the attack for a month. Meanwhile, two of the children who were wounded but survived the shooting were still in critical condition. The remaining children and the teacher are in stable condition. There you see a shot of the memorial laying flowers and the outpouring of support from the Serbian people. At least they're at least they're taking action. At least they're taking action. 
four. They've had four since the 90s. I'm getting ready. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. We have seven. Seven. Seven shootings. Seven shootings. I am getting ready to do seven shootings. Straight. Seven shooting stories. Straight. The first two we're going to cover happened in Georgia. Both of them happened in Georgia in as many days. So, once again... Say the line, Justin. <sighs> Happening earlier today in a town called Moultrie. We have a suspected shooter. One victim is has been identified. Four people, including the suspected shooter, are dead. Following three shooting incidents in Moultrie, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. The identities of the suspected shooter and one of the victims have been released. The GBI said the suspected shooter was Contavious White, 26 of Moultrie. The assistant manager of the alleged shooter was identified as Amia Smith, 41. Moultrie police requested the GBI's help after a man and a woman were found dead at a McDonald's restaurant at the 500 block of 1st Avenue on Thursday morning. After taking a look at the security footage, the GBI said White arrived at the restaurant and called for Smith to answer the door. Smith was then killed by uh, White's gunshot. GBI confirmed White is then seen walking into the restaurant and then shooting himself. While at the scene, police say they were alerted to respond to another shooting. The suspected shooter's mother, 50, was found with a gunshot wound, but still alive. It was confirmed she was taken to a hospital, but later died from her injuries. Also, clearly, content warning. As if the whole show hasn't been worthy of content warnings. Police... Oh my God. Police then responded to a third shooting incident. The suspect, the suspected shooter's grand grandmother, 74, shot to death next door. So here, let's Gun hear. violence has claimed the lives of four people in Moultrie. This comes after a shooter killed family members and one other woman before killing himself. The shooting started in the area of 6th Street Southwest, just blocks away from a school, and ended at a McDonald's downtown. WLB News 10's Lena Allen has been there all ba -da -ba -ba -ba. from the community after this tragedy. And Lena, what is the latest? Yes, sadness is overflowing through the streets of Moultrie. I spoke to some people who say they're even shocked this happen happened. The shooter killed his grandmother and mom in homes just four minutes away from this McDonald's. Then he came here where he shot and killed an assistant manager and then himself. 
We are still working to learn the identity of the shooter and victims. The GBI is investigating and trying to notify the next of kin. I spoke to a woman who lives right across the street from where one of the shootings happened. She tells me she heard about six to seven shots fired around 12 a.m., but didn't see anything when she checked outside. She was shocked when she woke up this morning to a crime scene. And you saw the flashing lights outside the window, and I came to the window, and I'm like, oh, my God. It was across the street. That's where the gunfire is coming from. It was devastating to find out what went on and what happened. Devastated to know that it was them that was caught in that crossfire. It hasn't. I mean, it seems unreal right now. It, it doesn't seem real. It's heartbreaking. Let, let the family be in your thoughts and prayers and the community of Moultrie. Again, we are still working to learn the identity of the victims and the shooter. We just know the shooter was a man and the victims were three women. We'll bring you those updates as soon as we know more. Reporting live in Motri, Lena Allen, WALB, your hometown news source. Oh, wow. And this comes a day. A day after a shooting happened just miles, just miles away from the story I just played for you. And we learned that Northside Medical Midtown, where the shooting took place, will be shut down tomorrow as police continue to investigate. Let's get out to Cody Alcorn right now. He's live at Grady Hospital, where four of the victims are recovering tonight. And Cody, what do we know about how these victims are doing tonight? Well, we do know these victims range from 25 to 71 years old. Three are in the ICU here behind me at Grady. Uh, that fourth victim said to be in stable condition. Uh, but as you mentioned, just heartbreaking news tonight that one of those women shot over at Northside just before noon died there in the emergency room. And I do just want to give credit to those nurses and those doctors and employees on the 11th floor there off West Peachtree Street. They saw this man walk in with his mom. Moments later, shots rang out. They went into an active shooter mode. They have practiced this and they delivered it today. We do know that a couple of nurses ran from the back to the front without hesitation. They saw at least three victims there on the ground. They saw St. Pierre had already died um, instantly. They tell us they, another woman shot in the face, a third shot on the hip and during all of that while they are trying to take care of those victims there were surgeons that had surgery going on take a listen heard something going on but it wasn't really affecting us so we just kind of proceeded like normal and then we um, completed the operation but by the time we came out we heard that we couldn't leave the floor and talk about true heroes, those doctors and nurses saving lives in a surgery, continued that surgery because they had to uh, not worry about themselves. And then once they finished it, then they worried about themselves, their patients and got out of there. But I will tell you, you cannot forget about those men and women on the 11th floor there at Northside Hospital. Uh, they are also true heroes and uh, this will forever live with them. Talk about a day that you just showed up for work. In fact, one of the nurses who ran to take care of two of those victims who were still alive in her waiting room, it was her day off. She was actually covering 
uh, for another nurse. And that woman actually lives in Midtown as well. So it's just not where they work, but for many of them, it's where they live as well, where this tragedy unfolded. Yeah, Cody. Wow. That was the the aspect of the story focusing on the victims. The suspect has been apprehended. There was an hours-long manhunt. Atlanta shooting suspect Dion Patterson charged with murder and four counts of aggravated assault. I assume more charges will be uh, coming. Dion Patterson, the Atlanta shooting suspect, has been charged with one count of murder, four counts of aggravated assault. So this was the scene yesterday. Uh, this is where the reporter was at. Don't Not far from where the border is. Give the all clear. If you plan to travel into that area in Midtown Atlanta, do not travel for now. No doubt they have some streets blocked off as they investigate this. But once again, an active shooter situation in Midtown Atlanta in the 1100 block of West Peachtree Street. Now we did some investigating. We do have one of our cameras up here. You can kind of see the building. It is near Northside Medical Building in Midtown Atlanta. The specific building. Too close to home for me. So, over the past couple months, we've had shootings in Louisville, Nashville, and Atlanta. Three cities I have spent a considerable amount of time in in my life. So this is the third time that I have covered a shooting recently in the videos areas I've been to. I recognize the areas in the video. Fucking, fucking wild. I hate it here. I hate it here. Oh. We're coming up on about a week ago. A man was apparently shooting off guns in his yard. One of his neighbors asked him to keep it down. And he decided to just come in and fucking kill the family. The details of this one are incredibly heartbreaking. The man accused of killing five people in San Jacinto County. We're also learning more about his wife, who is charged with helping him hide. Grace White is at the San Jacinto County Jail with the new details she's uncovered about the case. Grace. Francisco Oropesa's next stop is a grand jury. It could be a month or more before he's in court because investigators still have to gather all of the evidence. Meantime, records we obtained show he was found at an address investigators have had on their radar. Last summer. 
yes, this could end up as a capital murder. The San Jacinto County District Attorney's Office says they are considering all options, including the death penalty, as they prosecute. Buddy, 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 if there is ever a case that deserves a capital murder charge, it's this one. This motherfucker killed children in cold blood. Apparently one of the parents and I think the aunt were laying on top of two of the kids that survived. Prosecute the case against Francisco Oropesa. You are charged with hindering the, the apprehension of a fugitive. Oropesa's wife, Divimara Nava, is also in custody. In a hearing, prosecutors told the judge she admitted to asking Oropesa's family for help getting him to Mexico, but they turned him down. She also gave up a timeline, saying Oropesa got to his aunt's house in Montgomery County the day he was arrested at 1.30 a.m. She says he showered, slept, and she went to get him donuts. That was an early address that was provided to our analysts to, to uh, as, as a target. And we now know why. KHU 11 obtained a copy of a protective order Oropesa's wife filed against him last summer. Prosecutors say she claimed Oropesa beat her up. The protective order says he had to move out, could not have a gun, or pick up their child from school. But the problem was they could never find him. The constable made several attempts over the course of weeks to make contact with him uh, and was not able to make contact with Mr. Oropesa. Government records show Oropesa has been deported four times and has a previous DWI conviction in Montgomery County. In the Cleveland killings, the DA's office says anyone who helped hide him is fair game for arrest. That if you hide a fugitive, uh, especially somebody as violent as this, and we can prove that you did it, you will face the consequences. There is a third person in custody. He was arrested for drugs, but we're told they could upgrade his charges if investigators determine he helped Oropesa hide. In San Jacinto County, Grace White, KHOU 11 News. And now that Oropesa is in custody, today his neighbors are telling us they are relieved because they can now let their kids play outside. One man telling our Annie Ruiz, Oropesa had been feuding with the neighbors he's accused of shooting over their dog getting into his yard. Pancho me platicó que, que el, creo que el perro le había, le había matado lo, las gallinas en su propiedad. Y él le fue a decir que amarrara a ese perro. Neighbors say that combative relationship, no excuse for the shooting, and they want Oropesa, referred to as Pancho here, to pay for what he allegedly did. We have also heard concerns from neighbors about how long it took for San Jacinto County deputies to respond to the shooting call. The deputy chief gave us new insight about that today. If any of you guys been to the scene where the house is, all right, you know what kind of roads those are. To go from here to there, lights and siren, we're talking at least 30 minutes. This is not a rich county. We've got three deputies on patrol to cover this entire county. There was a... For those of you listening to the podcast, I, those were some fucking dirt back roads that we were seeing. This is not a rich county. We've got three deputies on patrol. They don't have plumbing. Entire county. There was a, a other patrol unit on an aggravated robbery call. And... They had to leave the aggravated robbery call, which is a serious call, all right? 
And uh, so you've got two bad things going on at once with one deputy to do it all. You've got to remember the initial call on this was somebody firing their gun in the yard. At that point, it wasn't an attack. So the aggravated robbery trumps the guy shooting in the yard at the time. The San Jacinto County Sheriff's Office says they do appreciate all the help they have received during the manhunt. We want to take a moment now to remember. Yeah, there you're seeing the, the video of Oropezo being arrested. Trump's the guy shooting in the yard at the time. The San Jacinto County Sheriff's Office says they do appreciate all the help they have received during the manhunt. When he's apprehended two days ago. Remember the people who lost their lives in this tragedy. 21-year-old Diana Velasquez, 28-year-old Sonia Guzman, 9-year-old Daniel Enrique Lazo, 31-year-old Abdulia Molina, and 18-year-old Jonathan, Jonathan Caceres. Right now, you can watch and read even more about the events surrounding the capture of Oropesa. So the two young ladies that you saw there, the children that survived the attack were under them. They protect, they are heroes. They protected the children that survived. Mater, I've not met Jim Cornette. And I may have, I may have missed my chance to ever meet him because he may never leave fucking Louisville again. And fucking Jimmy Cornette the other day had a whole rant because Louisville, his stomping ground. Mass shooting happened in his turf. Oh, God damn. A gunman fired into a Fox News station lobby in a terrifying video. Crisis negotiators took the suspect, armed with an AR-15 rifle, into custody. And once again, we're going to watch some fucking crazy-ass video here. So this is Jared Nathan, 25, has been identified by his mother as the man who shot into the TV station this morning. So yeah, this is a th like every station I've worked at in the last 10 years has had like a locked lobby. And I guess that's a thing since, uh, I don't know, the reporter that got shot in like Richmond a few years uh, 15 years ago or so, maybe. I don't know when this became a policy. But I do know that we had had somebody that was harassing one of our anchors at the station. And that was one of the reasons why they were very adamant about making sure that the building was always secure. Because, like, I, I was still a smoker at the time. And it was, a, it was a big deal when we went outside that we weren't allowed to leave any of the doors open. So you can see dude is in a secure lobby. He has to be like ring, uh, ring in a security guard sitting right there in the lobby. 
Fucking shit. So yeah, he fires a couple of shots through the door. It looks like he's trying to break in. You see the one guard sees the rifle, the other one drops down. And this is in Memphis, Tennessee. She ducked before he ever even like pulled the gun up. That was wild. Uh, so do we have any other details? No one was struck by the shot fired on Tuesday into the WHBQ station. Police Department Deputy Chief Stephen Chandler said at a news conference the bullet was fired with an AR-5 or an AR-style rifle, hit the hit glass and a desk, but it wasn't clear if it was fired intentionally. He wanted to meet with media. He had a message to send out. This was according to Chandler. He did not provide more details. Memphis police later announced that they had arrested Jared Nathan, 26, and charged him with aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. Nathan has had mental health issues since he was young. This is according to Marsha McKinney. She told news outlets. He's one of the nicest, kindest people, but everybody has another side, too. I think that my son is crying out for attention because he needs some help. That is uh, Marsha McKinney, his mother. The station said employees were evacuated to a parking lot for about 30 minutes after the shot was fired. While police secured the area, the suspect first approached the station from a vestibule into the lobby of the station that was locked, wanting to talk. The suspect then showed the employee that he had a gun. The employee then left before the suspect fired a shot. The station said, according to video, he then kept trying to open the locked door into the station, became angry, stomping his feet. Appeared in court on Wednesday, told the judge he could not pay for a lawyer, being held on a quarter of a million dollar bond. He appeared in court in a wheelchair, apparently. So thankfully, nobody was injured, and hopefully this guy gets some fucking help. Because it is so goddamn common in this country, here on In Just Another Day in Mass Shooting USA, Allow me to give you tips to know if you're ever caught in a mass shooting or an active shooting situation because you may need this information. You're hearing more from the Atlanta Police Department and they are reflecting on yesterday's chaos in Midtown. So many people understandably frightened, confused, shaken up. Many of them were locked down in buildings with limited information. New tonight, Tracy Amick Pierre has more from the chief of police and Tracy had a lot to talk about. He talked about what went right. He did. I just spoke with Darren Sherbaum this afternoon and he tells me while he's grateful more lives weren't lost and that many things worked yesterday, they still learn from every tragedy like this. And he says there are things you need to know to survive an active shooter. People are focusing 
on those officers running with their weapons. But what was behind the scenes were firefighters and paramedics. One day after police arrested Dion Patterson, charging him with a shooting that left one woman dead and injured four more women, Atlanta's police chief Darren Shearbaum says the credit for how the community responded needs to go beyond police. Atlanta Fire Rescue, Grady EMS were not armed. They were going in there under escort to pull out individuals that gravely needed medical care. So those are part of your unsung heroes as well. He credits yes, mad props to them. Tips and the multiple agencies that showed up in full force, eventually leading to Patterson's capture at a Cobb County condo complex. You saw a lot of different patches on the scene, but you saw one focus, one mission of everyone that took the same oath, which was to stop a dangerous individual and protect the community. And reflecting on Wednesday, Chief Shearbaum says there are three things you need to know to hopefully survive an active shooter situation. One, try to separate yourself as quickly as possible, effectively as possible by getting out of the building. If you can't do that, you shelter in place, you barricade the door, and you remain safe. And if that isn't doable, you attack the person that is carrying out the attack. Yesterday, during the deadly shooting, Shearbaum says those who had the time to react did the right things. We had citizens that fled the scene. Fucking attack, he says. Taken shelter, barricaded themselves in the closets and rooms and patient care areas. They had moved refrigerators against the door, everything they had been trained to do. Shearbaum says now Atlanta police will debrief on how it responded, looking at what worked and noting any changes they need to make for future incidents. We will take the lessons learned this week, apply it to our training, so when we are called upon again in this city or anywhere in the region to respond uh, to a similar incident. I mean, he backed you up, Mater. More effectively. Yes, attack him. APD and other agencies offer active shooter training. For more information on that, just go to our website, 11alive.com. 11alive is a really weird name for your station when you're reporting on a bunch of people fucking dying. We don't just have a mass shooting problem in this country. We just have a gun problem. We've got an aggressive aggression problem. I, this country, this country. They are the things that happen all the time. A mixed up address, pulling into the wrong driveway or confusing one car from another. Yet remarkably, for a third time in a week, seemingly innocent moments of confusion have led to bloodshed. From Kansas City, where a teen who approached the wrong doorstep is recovering Stop telling me about fucking responsible gun owners. Get the fuck off. It seems to me that most gun owners are just waiting, waiting for an opportunity to fucking use them. From two bullet wounds to New York State, where a 20-year-old woman was fatally shot after the car she was in accidentally drove up the wrong driveway. And now in Elgin, Texas, a high school cheerleader has been shot and seriously wounded after her friend apparently approached the wrong car. A string of tragedies unconnected, except for the fact in each case someone reacted with a gun. In all three cases, the alleged shooters fucking cowards and face charges. Morgan Chesky has the latest. Three shootings in one week. Missouri, New York, and tonight, Elgin, Texas. All tied to seemingly innocent mistakes. Approaching the wrong car, 
or home. I'm Peyton Washington on Woodlands Elite Generals. High school cheerleader Peyton Washington, the latest victim. After a stranger opened fire on her and three friends in the parking lot of a grocery store outside Austin. It was unfortunate these girls were um, just trying to get home. The girls traveling home from a late night practice to where they had all parked their cars. After one of the teens mistakenly approached the wrong vehicle, police say a man began shooting multiple times. The guy got out and they saw that he had a gun and so they tried to speed off and he shot his gun like five times or so. Police arresting Pedro Telo Rodriguez Jr. charged with deadly conduct of third degree felony as Washington remains in the ICU. She's won every title there is to win in all-star cheerleading. She's literally a role model for the kids in this industry throughout the country. Everybody knows her. The latest shooting comes days after a Kansas City teen was shot in the head after going to the wrong home to pick up his younger brothers. The 84-year-old suspect pleading not guilty to this piece of shit. assault and armed criminal action and was released on $200,000 bond. The, the family pressing for a... He saw a fucking black kid. You can't tell me that old, crusty, white fuck didn't see a black kid. Oh, I feared for my life. Fuck you. My God. To pick up his younger brothers. The 84-year-old suspect pleading not guilty today to first-degree assault and armed criminal action and was released on $200,000 bond. The the and all these charges sound woefully inadequate. Ralph Yarl is now out of a hospital. His family releasing this new photo, calling him a walking miracle. Miracle indeed. If hit his head a fraction of an inch in any other direction, he would probably be dead. Meanwhile, tonight in upstate New York, Kevin Monahan pleading not guilty to murder and remanded into jail without bail. Monahan's accused of fatally shooting 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis. She was in a car that accidentally pulled into his driveway, looking for a friend's house. Police say the suspect fired two shots from his front porch, killing Gillis. For this man to sit on his porch and fire at a car with no threat is just, it just angers me so badly. Tonight, communities grieving after common mistakes ended with violence in three separate shootings. Incredibly troubling. Morgan joins us now from Austin, where that Texas cheerleader is recovering. What's the latest on her condition? These weren't cops, Chainsaw. These were just encouraging news tonight. normal citizens. She made it through surgery and is currently recovering inside an Austin ICU, where friends and family tell us she's already speaking to visitors. And as for that man who pulled the trigger, we are told if he's convicted on this deadly conduct charge, he faces two to ten years in a Texas prison. Two to ten. Fuck off. All of, all of these charges, all of these charges were too little. Fucking Jarl got shot in the head, and the kid and the dude didn't even get charged with attempted murder. Are you serious? Oh, that covered a couple of the other stories I was going to get into. They left one out. Police have arrested a man who allegedly shot a six-year-old. A six-year-old when a basketball rolled into his yard. On the area where there are still bullet fragments inside of him. 
hurting, man, hurting. But he has no regrets. He says he jumped in front of a shot meant for his six-year-old daughter, Kinsley. Thank the good Lord above I was able to get in front of my baby. The shot went into his back and through his liver. And she caught the bullet fragment coming out of my stomach. White said he laid on the ground believing he was going to die. He says the suspect, Robert Singletary, fired three more shots that all missed. Then he says Singletary walked away. Responding officers who were still worried about an active shooter grabbed White by the arms and legs and ran to medics. If they'd have made me wait on an EMT, I wouldn't be here. Singletary's grandmother talked to me by phone. She said when family members learned he somehow got to the Tampa Bay area after the shooting, they begged the suspect to turn himself in. The grandmother told him about the little girl that had bullet fragments pulled out of her cheek. That upset him. He actually started crying. He was very emotional about that. She said the shooting was unexcusable, but that enough. Oh, he was very emotional about it after he fucking tried to kill her. Jesus. Another neighbor threatened to shoot Singletary's home during the ordeal, and he struggles with anxiety issues. My grandson suffers from PTSD. He was shot at 15. Singletary was out on bond for alleged assault with a sledgehammer when this happened. White said he should have never been released. I will be at every court appearance that man has to make sure that justice is served for my baby. Fuck. Yet another shooting tonight that neighbor. Yet another shooting. Just another day. One of these stories I had, like, literally started with just another day. Was it this one? Was it the Ralph Yarl one? One of the ones I just skipped. Yeah. One of them was like, just another day. And I'm like, motherfucker, you're still on my line. I, I swear I have some levity in this show. I swear there's levity, but we it's, uh, it's we're a long way from it still. This is one I've uh, been dreading talking about. Because the vitriol, the way people are framing this is insane. No, we're not we're not starting with the gruesome details. Brother, you're excellent. I'm a huge Michael fan. God damn, dude.
Man, that's spot on. That's the choreography from the from the video. Then adding in the moonwalk. Because the moonwalk's not in the video. The moonwalk comes from the Grammys that year. Michael learned the moonwalk like four or five years beforehand. Waited until just the right moment to break it out. I'm de- I'm more into the 90s era Michael than I am the 80s era Michael. I don't want to have to talk about this. This is Jordan Neely, a hungry New Yorker who was choked to death. And I haven't seen the video. I know the video exists. I don't know if we're going to watch it here. Maybe CBS will censor it. I think it's a CBS report. Train. I take this route, and I can completely relate with people who are both fearful of those who seem unhinged, but also, you know, who, who wants to be executed on a train? The medical examiner has ruled Jordan Neely's death a homicide, and it was the chokehold that killed him. So... Tell us why the Marine in custody... Yeah. The Marine is not in custody, I should say, while the DA's office investigates this. Arrest the motherfucker. Well, um, first of all, a homicide, the definition of a homicide legally is that someone was killed by another person. A homicide is not necessarily a crime. Homicide can be um, justifiable homicide, which is self-defense. It can be criminally negligent homicide. It can be negligent homicide. There's all levels of it. But the word homicide does not mean that it's a crime. I'm not saying this wasn't a crime, but that explains why the man may not be, is not in custody at this time. Greg, I take this train. I take this route. And I can completely relate with people who are... You completely relate to people murdering somebody just for being a nuisance on on a fucking subway. Because that's the way the ride is framing it. That's what fucking... People like Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro, they can go fuck themselves. Seriously. If you haven't seen the vitriol from the right, talking about how, oh, they're, they're trying to turn him into a new George Floyd. The left needs a blah, 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 blah. I'm going to spare you the bullshit of it right now. I'm sure we will cover it next week when we get Because I have no faith that the guy will actually be charged by the time I am on stream again. Fair enough, Mater. I mean, Matt Walsh has only said one intelligent thing ever in his life. Justin Freakin, the formidable voice in the culture. So, I'm going to show you this video. 
this happened over a year ago. But the the woman has now been uh, found guilty. And the video that was presented at the trial has now been released. So let's uh, let's check this out. This woman, uh, I believe this happened. This happened in Illinois. She uh, had just killed two people in DUI. Yeah, I have such a long day tomorrow. Oh my god. Oh. I'm not gonna answer anyone's Snapchat. I'm not gonna answer any questions. There's gonna be like, bruh. I went home today. Okay, well, you're being too quiet, so I'm going to start singing because I hate quiet. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta figure out the paperwork. That's fine. I guess I'm going to start singing. Six! Welcome! Ooh. Also, content warning. <laughs> oh my god, you've missed most of the heavy shit. Fuck. This has been a tough uh, two hours that we've been through here. <laughs> Once again, she was intoxicated. She has just killed two people in a vehicle crash. Well, I do. You you came in time for the fun stuff. At least after these, we got a couple more. Uh, not exactly laughable stories. What's she even singing? So the, the whole video is there of him interrogating her on the scene and everything. But I believe the very interesting part is coming up here in just a second. You heard her talk about how she wasn't going to respond to Snapchat and stuff. Apparently. Okay, here we go. Well, your car is told. It's what? Your car is totaled. Totaled? Totaled, right. Totaled. Okay, so how do I get your speed? You don't. So, I don't go to school tomorrow is what you're telling me? No, man. I don't go to school tomorrow. No, man. I do believe she did go back to school after this, though, by the way, because, like, the students got really upset. And came to the defense of the victims. With you. You're going to jail. You don't have a bond. You killed two people tonight. I don't think you understand that. You do not have a bond. You are not getting out of jail. Your car is property of East Peoria Police Department because it's a crime scene. It killed two people tonight. You are clueless with that. Clearly, I've already explained this to you. You're going to jail for reckless homicide tonight. You're going to jail for aggravated DUI for killing two people. That's what's going on. 
to know you're not going to school tomorrow. You're not getting your car out of impound. Can I go Tuesday to my night class? I just told you. You said I'm not going tomorrow. I'm talking about Tuesday. Did you hear what I said? You that said you, I'm going to jail tomorrow. Did you, you're going to jail right when we're down here. Yes. Ma'am, ma'am, you killed two people. You in for a world of trouble. Do you understand what I told that you killed two people tonight? Yeah, so I'm just wondering when I can go to school. Okay, we're done. You're all on body camera being completely careless about killing two people tonight. You could care less. That's sad and pathetic and horrible all at the same time. Can you say that as a cop? Yes, ma'am, I can. Yes, he can, actually. I don't know. Well, to be quite frankly, I'm a little more concerned about the two people. So this is 23-year-old Stephanie Milgoza of Farmington, Illinois. Three times over the legal blood alcohol limit. Three times over the legal limit. People that are dead right now. To be fair. She pled guilty and is currently serving 14 years in prison. And I took it. I don't think so. Or if she was a politician, she oh. would have got off scot free. Ain't that right, Teddy Kennedy? No problem. Good. We got. I mean, we got the DUI kid done already, or just uh, because she had some glass in her foot, they brought her back. I had a doctor look at her foot, but we're just waiting for the discharge paperwork now. Waiting forever. All right. Thank you. I can't wait to join the D.Y. Club. Oh my god, all of them have the... We're gonna be like... <laughs> oh, this company is so good. Oh, I wish I could hold on. Just completely indifferent. <laughs> Apparently she was like that early on too. What is your first name? S T E P H A N I E. Middle initial? I don't have one. Okay, and last name? Melgoza, M E L G O Z A. Phone number? Okay. Yes. Sir. Can you, uh, 
It was only at 10.30 at night. Were you coming this down the road? I was coming. I was coming. You were already that smashed? No, I had just gotten my night started. So. Were you going this direction yes. or this direction? I was coming this direction. Okay, here's what I'm going to have you do. Um, yes, please let's just get, let's get away from the scene a little bit. Yes. Let them do their thing, okay? This is your car, right? The yes, correct, sir. the red yes, car? Yes. You were the only one in the vehicle? I'm the only one. Okay, come over here to my spot car, okay? Yep. Can you take your purse off and just set that on here? We got to... Yep. Do you have anything illegal on you? Yes. I have marijuana in, in your purse. purse. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you had any marijuana tonight? No. Okay. Do you set those on the car for you? didn't even get a chance to get high before this. Yep. Yep. Okay. Set that down there. And my phone. In your phone? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. All right. Just come over here. Just put your hands on my car. He's got a pass search before I put you in my car, okay? Okay. No pockets or anything. Do you have anything illegal on you? Yes. I got pot. Okay. Until we figure out how we're going to handle this, I'm going to have you sit uncuffed in the back seat of my car. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you out. We're going to probably do some field sobriety tests and all that. Okay. i got some more questions for you. Mm -hmm. but right now, I'm going to have you sit down just so we're out of the roadway, okay? Mm -hmm. Right over here. Yes. Just scoot that over for me, okay? Do you want to do it? Thank there we you. go. Are you hurt at all or need, or need medics yourself? Uh, no, sir. Because your entire, I mean, your car's pretty beat up, so I'm making sure. Do you, okay. Are you bleeding anywhere? Um, no, I'm okay. Is that little blood splatter on your hands, from, maybe from your glass? I see you got glass cut all over you. Do I? Okay. I, I think I'm okay. Okay, all right. Okay. Hang tight a minute. Okay, suspect, that's her. She's, um, they're probably going to call both of them. So. But yeah, go check out her car. Sorry. It's okay. All right. All right, so here's the deal. Just because I do have you in the back of a police car, I don't have you in custody or in, under arrest, but obviously you don't feel like you're free to go right now, right? So I'm just going to read your Miranda rights. You understand what they are, and we're going to talk about what happened on the okay, accident, sir. okay? I appreciate you being cool with me. I understand this is pretty stressful. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in court. You I appreciate you being cool, he says. Present with you while you're being questioned. Cannot afford to hire a lawyer. Want to be provided for you before question, okay? Do you understand each of your rights? Which, how do you say your first name? Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. That being said, will you talk to me? Explain yes, what happened. I okay. Will talk to you about anything. All right. So explain in detail just what happened prior okay. to the accident. I was coming to Full Throttle, and I was almost here, as you can see. Were you Were I you was, driving this way or that coming down that coming side road? I was coming here, this way. Okay. And suddenly, one person walked out in front of me. Okay. And my car got hit. I called you as soon as they you got hit. You called 911? Yes, I called 911. As okay. soon as something happened. And then someone said, oh, someone else is hit. I'm just like, oh my Guy God. Guy it. Okay. We're not on Twitch. One person, what happened? I, I just called you. That's all I know. Okay. I called did, you. Did they fall down right away or did you get out and help them or what happened? I got out. I called you and then everyone else came out. So I See, I thought she hit another car. No, she ran over a pedestrian, at least one pedestrian, two pedestrians. What? Just let them okay. come and take over the situation. Okay. Um, but I promise you, like, I only... I hopefully I'm back after the 13th. They came out of nowhere because I am a safe driver. I get it. Hang on one minute. Just because it started to rain here. Okay. She hasn't been as belligerent as I thought she was going to be. Because once again, I did not watch this before okay. watching it with you guys. Um, 
if you had to ask me how fast. I saw everyone sharing out like two or three minutes from the hospital. That's why I thought that was the interesting part. At least 40. At least 40. Maybe 40 to 45, but at least 40. Okay. All right. Um, do you think you were going too fast for this area at the time with the darkness? I honestly don't think I was going too fast because I tried to be precautionary about where I'm at. Okay. Um, but Once again, she did plead guilty and she is now serving 14 years in prison. Came out of nowhere. Did you have your headlights on? Yes, sir. Brights on or just regular headlights? Regular. Okay. Okay. So obviously you saw them. It was no time to react, no time to stop. No time. Okay. That's the word. Okay. All right. Where were you coming from tonight? I was coming from Tavern uh, 41 on Sterling Avenue. Tavern 31 on Sterling? Tavern 41 on Sterling, Peoria? Yes, okay, and you left the Tavern 41 and drove straight here? Yes, sir. Okay. Over the course of the night, how much have you had to drink? I probably had about three drinks. Ma'am! What is three drinks? Do you like? Are we talking, what type of drinks? Just vodka. Vodka? Straight vodka or mixed drinks? Uh, vodka and water, so I was staying hydrated, you know, and okay. drinking. Wow. Like right now, if you had me do a test, I think I would pass. Just like, not, don't test me, but I think I would pass. Okay, I'm going to be honest. We're, we are going to do those tests here in a little bit mm -hmm. because of circumstances, obviously, we have to, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, how long ago was your last drink, would you say? Uh, my last drink, I would say about 40 minutes. 40 minutes mm -hmm. ago? Did, were you drink anything while you are in the vehicle? I don't believe you, ma'am. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least drunk you've ever been, 10 being the most drunk you've ever been, where would you say you put yourself right, right now? Five. Five. Because I've She's three times over the legal limit. <laughs> three times over the legal limit. I'm very drunk. And right now, like, I see you. I see everyone. Mm -hmm. I know the situation. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm aware of okay. everything. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. close the door. Uh, if mm -hmm. it stops raining, we might do some tests mm -hmm. in the roadway. Otherwise, we might go back to the police station and do it. We'll figure out okay. how we're going to do it, okay? Right. Is there... Yeah, we got your... We'll probably go to the hospital and draw some fucking blood. Oh, we need out of your car, right? Okay. Hang okay. tight. Especially when we're talking about a... You got a valid license and all that, correct? A deadly wreck. They're not going to leave it up to a breathalyzer or a field sobriety test. They're going to take you to the hospital and draw blood. We're going to do these uh, quick tests. Yeah, it, sure. it started raining a little bit, but it pretty okay. much let up as long as you're okay with that. Okay. All right, come right over here. You can just stand here in front of my squad car and face me. All right, just uh, just confirm and you said you had This dude looks like an asshole. I know I shouldn't judge people by their... I mean, he's a fucking cop. <laughs> so clearly he's an asshole. Okay, what, do you do? what do you do for work? I waitress at So you're on your feet all day? No, all day. No issues with that? Okay. You're overall, you're pretty healthy? Okay. Alright. See my pen right here? I see your what pen. I want you to do is follow the tip of my pen. I'm going to move my pen back and forth several times. I want you to follow the tip of my pen. Do you want me to like walk or just my eyes? No, nope, we're just doing your eyes okay. right now. I want you to follow the tip of my pen. Judging by the hat! But keep your head still. I want you to continue that test till I tell you to stop, okay? okay I was judging him by the fact that his shirt was two sizes too small. There you go. Alright. That's what I want you to follow. Nope, keep your head still for me. Oh, my head. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Just your eye. Yep, can't do it. Alright, we're gonna try that again. It's hard. Alright. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my god, she's gotta hold her head. Keep their head still for me. Oh my god. 
Once again, these tests are bullshit. Like, I fucking can't say my uh, ABCs backwards. I can't say my ABCs backwards when I'm fucking sober. I bet you can't. Just follow up your eyes. I can't walk a straight line when I'm fucking sober. Just follow up your eyes, okay? Keep following. I fall down for no goddamn reason. Keep looking. I'm a clumsy motherfucker. I see you. Keep looking at it to the side. So yeah, Illinois woman laughs, plays dumb after killing two people in deadly crash. Let's. When I say you're going to take nine heel to toe steps down, she the hasn't been as belligerent as I thought she would be. On your, on your turn, I want you to keep your front foot on the line. Then you're going to use your other foot to turn yourself around with several small steps. Okay. I want to, I want to hear her reaction to learning she killed somebody. Like. This position you're in. Okay, point zero eight. Okay. What I have you do is take a deep breath, a long, hard, steady blow into the straw, just like you're blowing up a balloon. Once again, three times the legal limit. Okay. All right. Blowing up a what? Yes, ma'am. Take a deep breath, long, hard, steady blow. A little bit harder for me. A little bit harder. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. She seems a little aloof. You're a Bradley student. I graduate in four weeks. You're a point two six four. Okay. Oh wow. All right. Okay, go ahead and turn around for me and place your hands behind your back. You are under arrest for DUI. Okay. I believe the charge she played guilty to was deadly DUI. I'm right over here. Let me sit back in my car, okay? Never heard of that one before. It's usually a reckless homicide. Vehicular manslaughter or something like that. Okay. So just so we're clear, I'm gonna undo your seatbelt. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So you understand what we're gonna do? First off, I'm gonna let you know the two people. You did hit two people total. I did not. You did. I didn't. Okay. I'm just. Okay. However you want to word it to yourself, that's fine. Okay. I'm just telling you, there's two people struck by your vehicle, and both mm -hmm. both are dead. I did not hit you. Okay. Right okay, well, I'm just telling you the two people that hit Why your car. Ma'am, listen. listen. If I... Two people struck your vehicles, I'm telling you, and they're both deceased on scene. I'm just telling you that information, okay? We're going to go in here, we're going to do the thing. I appreciate you being cooperative so far. I'm just telling I got to tell you what's okay, going on. Okay. You understand? Yes. Okay, come, all right, come on out here this way. I'll let you talk soon. All right, right over here. Stay right here and grab all this stuff here. I'm sure there is. Um, once we get in here, we'll tell them. They'll probably take it off for you, okay? All right, come follow me. Right in this emergency doors here. So, yeah, I just, I don't think it was as bad as the clickbaity headline made it out to be. She seems very aloof. It hasn't registered with her.
Oh god, I forgot. I I probably should save this for the, after all these stories. I mean, they're all horrific. What am I talking about? God damn. How do how do I how do I parse which one of these stories is more horrific than the other one in order to do them in a in a manner to where we get uh less tragic as we go along on this show. Content warning. She solved her own homicide. She she solved it. She made sure that he was going to go down and that her her death wasn't going to go in vain. Now for the night team, a Valley grandmother that many in Glendale knew as a teacher and a coach murdered after making a food delivery just three minutes from her home. And tonight, the suspect is behind bars, all of it thanks to a picture the grandmother took before she was shot and killed. The victim's daughter sitting down with Team 12's Adriana Loya, remembering her mother as a strong fighter until the end. At 60 years old, Pamela Martinez was stronger and healthier than ever. She loved to work out. She was she loved health all around. She was a bodybuilder up until about 59. She got some guns on her too. 40 more years, if not more. But about a month away from her birthday, she was senselessly murdered. She did not deserve that at all. No one does. On June 11th, the retired teacher and coach was on her way home after finishing her last food delivery of the day as an Uber Eats driver when near 61st Avenue, just north of Bell Road, she was shot and killed by another driver. There must have been some sort of altercation because they were pulled off to the side of the road. There's a possibility that it was some type of road rage that had occurred. The responsible um, gun owner. I just don't know. A witness telling police he was driving by when he saw a man standing outside of Pamela's car on the driver's side. The man then allegedly walked over to his minivan and drove off. That's when Pamela's car slowly veered off the road onto a wash. Paramedics breaking into her car to get her out and render aid, but she was gone. Before the shooting and after the alleged altercation, police say Pamela rolled down her passenger window and snapped a clear photo of the suspect. That led police to 62-year-old Rusty Raymond French, who now faces second-degree murder charges. And the photograph that she took was of the van that the witness described and of that man sitting in his van. In a post-Miranda interview, record... Yeah, yeah, that's... French my God! That looks like the fucking dude that shot the... that shot the, the kid that was picking up his little brother and went to the wrong house. Looks exactly like an old, crusty, white fuck like that. Why you all fucking look like that? The man in the picture, but that he blacked out afterwards. During the interview, he allegedly showed no remorse. She solved her own homicide, and uh, I'm blessed that she did that, because if not, this would be even harder. Monique Daniels, heartbroken her mother, won't be here to welcome her fourth grandchild to the world. You know, getting justice is great and all, but it doesn't fix anything. She's God not damn. coming back. The single mother of two, leaving behind a legacy. No idea the world you've changed, the lives you've devastated, and the, the person you took from everybody. I would like her to be remembered as a strong, independent, motivational, determined woman who did anything and everything she could to make sure she made it. Adriana Loya, 12 News. <sighs> oh, this next one isn't a shooting. Oh, there's that. I don't know. Maybe he shot the guy. I don't know. I don't know. 
But apparently, Chainsaw, please be careful out there as a food delivery driver. Because it's insanely dangerous now. I am infinitely grateful for somebody bringing food to my door. I would never shoot them or assault them. Or dismember them. What the fuck is wrong with people? The Pasco County community is still reeling tonight from the shocking news about a neighbor accused of brutally killing a food delivery driver. We are learning more tonight about that gruesome crime and the man fresh out of prison who's accused of the killing. News Channel 8's Lenny Supal joins us live tonight. And Lenny, there are some new developments in this case. Yes, tonight the Pasco County Sheriff's Office interviewed two... I can't believe I woke up this morning and was like, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to stream to people I love the most horrific news stories I can find from all over the world. Just the, just the absolute worst I can find for you. You're welcome. Young people. The sheriff says they aren't in any trouble, but he wanted to know a little bit more about why they may have been inside the home and what they may have seen because surveillance video shows them leaving the house <laughs> one hour before the murder took place. Meanwhile, many. I will say that uh, I have gotten back on a somewhat day walker schedule. Uh, my day starts around probably 9 30, 10. 10:30 something some somewhere in the 9 to 11 range and that's used used the, the way I would wake up back in the day you know by noon I'm doing my actual job <laughs> different content I snicks I I do I, like I don't know what you know I did news for years I don't know what why I'm so drawn to it. I think I'm good at it. I think I'm feeling a niche that others aren't, I think. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, since since I'm I'm not uh with Curiouser anymore, I I'm I'm not staying up all night and going to bed at fucking six, seven in the morning. The kitties all cuddle with me, don't you, babies? Come on, buddy. You want to say hi to Snicks? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tell you about, you know, a gang member dismembering a, a Uber Eats driver. Questions remain unanswered as a community. He pulled a shabiznis on him. Is on edge. We have a, a hardworking guy. Curiouser is amazing. Thanks for asking, Snicks. I actually, um, Monday, uh, she bought a new car. She bought it from one of those Carvana places, and uh, I rode down with her to pick it up, and I drove her uh, old jalopy back. And we had uh, dinner at this restaurant down in Knoxville that was fucking amazing. I had this Parmesan spinach and a blackened salmon with like a like a pineapple, onion, tomato, chutney kind of deal on top of it. It is fucking excellent. So thank you, Curious, sir, for treating me to lunch. 
Also, that was the first time I have driven any considerable amount of time in four years, five years. The only other time I have driven, Aubrey's, indeed, it was Aubrey's. I'd never heard of it. When we went to the car place, I was like, "What's wh- what do you guys recommend? What's the best restaurant around here? He's like, Aubrey's right across the road. Go do it. I had fun. Uh, it was it was like I'd never missed a beat. <laughs> Her car seat, like by the time I got back here, my ass was sore. I did not like the seat in the car. <clears throat> so, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to avoid talking about this dismemberment story. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about the car we went down and picked up here. Oh, God. But fucking, I'm riding down there with Curiouser, and she'd been up all night. Like, she'd been up, like, something like 24 hours by the time we got here. I was fucking worried for her. I was like, why didn't you wait till the next day? Why didn't you wait until you had actually slept? I guess you wanted to get it out of the way. I forget what she named it. She already named her car. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've actually still seen Cur- I've probably seen Curiouser more since I moved out. She has come over and hung out more than like when I lived with her. Like I didn't really see her all that often. <laughs> it was weird. I I've probably seen her more since I moved out. Also, I probably should have told her that she might not even know I'm on on YouTube or over over here. She may have popped in, or she might be over. Uh, fucking producer Dave's probably on right now, so she's probably over there. He is still reeling tonight from the shocking news about a neighbor accused of brutally killing. Oh God, Snicks! Delivery driver. We are learning more tonight about that gruesome crime and the man fresh out of prison who's accused of the killing. News Channel 8's Lenny Supal joins us live tonight. Lenny, there are some new developments in this case. Yes, tonight the Pasco County Sheriff's Office interviewed two young people. The sheriff says they aren't in any trouble, but he wanted to know... But apparently they were in the house with this dude, like, he is a tatted up gang member. You're... ...shows them leaving the house about one hour before... I don't think you're going to be shocked by how this dude looks. ...many questions remain unanswered. Remember, this is a, like, dismemberment. We have a hard-working guy... Pulled the business on him. Um, who's no longer with us because this violent individual killed him. A Pasco County community rattled tonight, learning this home on Moog Road is the focal point of a crime scene where officials say a food delivery driver was dropping off an order before he was robbed and killed. This was absolutely a horrific crime of passion. This is demonic. We couldn't answer the question why. Court documents identify the victim as 59-year-old Randall Cook. His wife reported him missing when he stopped responding to text messages. That prompted detectives to obtain GPS tracking information from Uber Eats, which pinpointed this house as his last location. Sheriff's deputies eventually obtained a warrant and found the victim's remains cut up and in trash bags. You can see them carrying these trash bags um, around the side of the house. The sheriff's office pulled a ship business. Adrian Solis for murder. Gang member. Sheriff Nako says Solis is a known gang member with a long and violent criminal history and had just been released from prison in Indiana. Battery, battery on detention staff. He supposedly stabbed somebody several times. 
while he was in prison in Indiana. So you're talking about a very violent individual that Indiana released and sent down to Florida. He came down to Florida. We spoke to other... He corrected himself, sent down to Florida. ...shaken after learning about this case. It's got me very on edge. <laughs> no, 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 sir. The only, the only state that is sending people to other states is Florida. Don't say that Indiana sent him down to Florida. ...not delivering past a certain time now because of, you know, what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks to all these motherfuckers, I'm not going to be able to order fucking food at 10 o'clock at night. Because ain't nobody going to deliver anymore. Did he leave a good review on I hope he gave the guy five stars. This, this is a wild story. I... I just know the the headline here. Like, let's let's get the details. Happened in Maryland. Also, I miss my good buddy. Um, where's Larry at? Scary moments on board a Prince George's County school bus when three people got on that bus. And pulled out a gun. And this comes at a time when there are heightened concerns about student safety region-wide. 7 News Maryland Bureau Chief Brad Bell live. I can't make it big. A scary situation here, Brad. Tell us what happened. Yeah, look, absolutely terrifying. This seems to be a straight-up targeted hit on a middle school student. Fortunately, the gun didn't go off. I've been talking to some drivers here at this lot. They're telling me they are terrified. It happened late Monday afternoon on a bus carrying students home from the Prince George's County Alternative Middle School. A 14-year-old boy attacked by three others rushed aboard at a stop. The attack happening here along Iverson Street, the bus... And if I had a Blue Chew sponsorship, that would be a, uh, a good segue. If your partner says that she can't make it big, you need some Blue Chew. Blue Chew... You live in sexual anarchy. Oh, God. I got offered. A, a, that's wild. Here's here's the wildest thing. I've been offered sponsorships, you know, through like the fucking stream elements and shit. There's nothing I would take like having HelloFresh on my screen. Fuck that. No. But I got offered an actual sponsorship the day I got banned on Twitch. <laughs> oh, God damn. I would assume it's a, when they say alternative school, I assume they mean a, yeah, they listen to grunge rock. <laughs> I, assume, I assume they, uh, blue shoe sponsorship on this segment for middle schoolers. Yep. 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 Why can't I, why can't I make anything go? Nothing. Nothing's working anymore. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Yeah, that's what I was assuming. Alternative means like um, troubled, troubled teens. Pulling up, stopping. One girl gets off, but the three others jump on the bus and immediately pull out that gun. This was an attempted murder. Plain and simple. Let's call it what it is. Martin Diggs, head of the bus drivers union, describes a ruthless attack. Pulled the trigger three times, but for some reason, by the grace of God, the gun didn't go off. 
and bullets flew out of the gun. Multiple sources confirming the bus's onboard video system recording the whole thing. Wow. Like attempt to shoot the middle schooler in the head. And when the gun didn't fire after three tries, a physical beating before the attackers ran off. We are outraged as a district, um, horrified that, that, that this incident did occur. Taroskar Coleman is associate superintendent of Prince George's schools. Our priority remains uh, providing a safe and orderly environment for our students that is during school and also to and from school. The head of the driver's union wants more security and says the driver and aide thought they were going to be killed. They're terrified. The one driver does not want to come back to, doesn't want to come back to work. They're terrified. They don't even want to come out of the house. I bet! So Prince George's County Police confirming the details as we've reported them. They say this is an active investigation. As for the 14-year-old on that bus, we've not been able to learn anything about the extent of his injuries. In Upper Marlboro, Brad Bell, 7 News. Thanks for that. And, school and right now at 5 o'clock. Fucking wild. Burn it down, start again. Remember like hours ago when I was like, we're getting ready to do all kinds of shooting stories here. So this was a story that fascinated me. Uh, what was it back in the fall? Was it back, uh, or was it more like November, October, November time when this was going on? Four people were murdered at a college in Idaho, off campus from the college. They were, they were living off campus. And they arrested a criminal justice student at the college and all the evidence, or at least what the cops told us, seemed to point to him being the killer. His lawyers are saying, whoa, ho, 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 not so fast. And the young lady who uh, was left alive has evidence that is exculpatory and could free him. The stabbing attack inside this house last November that left four other students dead. Bethany Funk was one of the survivors, and now she's agreeing to be interviewed by the defense in the, yep, the grad student. Attorneys for the suspect Brian Koberger issuing a subpoena for Funk to testify. Koberger's legal team claiming Funk has exculpatory information that might help to exonerate him. An investigator for the defense writing, Ms. Funk's information is unique to her experiences and cannot be provided by another witness. Funk's attorney fought back, filing a motion to quash the subpoena, writing, even if Funk possesses exculpatory evidence, which remains unknown, there is no place or reason to present it at a preliminary hearing. But new court documents made public show she's now agreed to an interview with the Idaho-based defense counsel. Funk will testify in Reno, Nevada, where she's from. Instead of taking the stand in the Leyta County, Idaho court, where Koberger's preliminary hearing is set to begin in late June. Ahead of the hearing, the prosecution expanding its team as they look to bolster their case against Koberger. Two deputies from the Idaho Attorney General's office, Jeff Nye and Ingrid Bate, have been appointed to assist in the prosecution. Brian, Brian, did you do 
Koberger was arrested in late December, charged with the stabbing murders of Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Maddie Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves. According to charging documents, their other surviving roommate, Dylan Mortensen, saw a male figure with bushy eyebrows, a mask, and black clothing in the home that night. Funk's account of that night is not included in those documents. Prosecutors allege DNA evidence, video surveillance, and cell phone records led them to Koberger, who was pursuing a PhD at nearby Washington State University. He has yet to enter a plea, but has said through a former attorney he believes he'll be exonerated. So, Aaron, what are attorneys thinking that Bethany's testimony might reveal? Well, Hoda, while we have a better understanding of what Dylan experienced that night, there are so many unknowns about Bethany. Local police have said on the night of the murder, she was in her room on the first floor, but it's unclear if she woke up when the killer was inside. It's also unclear when she realized her roommates were dead, and we don't know what happened in the hours between the time of the murders and the 911 call. So clearly, the defense wants to know more about what she potentially heard heard and saw. Hoda. Wow. Unanswered questions there. Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron, thank you. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't miss the Today Show every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Horrific story about a, a quadruple stabbing. Hey, thanks for watching, says Al Roker. Okay, let's get to the, let's get to this shit that's not, well, Say that there's some fun stuff around here let's talk about the proud boys Enrique Tario and what three other proud boys guilty on seditious conspiracy in relation to January 6th and now after three trials we have secured the convictions of leaders of both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy, specifically conspiring to oppose by force the lawful transfer of presidential power. Our work will continue. At my Senate confirmation hearing just over a month after January 6th, I promised that the Justice Department would do everything in its power to hold accountable those responsible for the heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. And uh, as I have said repeatedly, the department will conduct all of its work in a manner that adheres to the rule of law and honors our obligations to protect the civil rights and civil liberties of everyone in this country. Today's verdict is another example of our steadfast commitment to keeping those promises. The Justice Department will never stop working to defend the democracy to which all Americans are entitled. I didn't think he would, because he is dumb. And was it Vice, somebody back me up on this, was it Vice that did the documentary on him where he just spilled all the beans, talked about all the times he's been an informant, says he plays both sides. Like, this dude's a just gigantic piece of shit. And very loose-lipped. So I figured there was going to be plenty of evidence uh, with which to convict him by. Just because he, he fucking went on with Vice and... Just spilled the beans about everything, pretty much. 
You know, thank you. Speaking of Proud Boys and white supremacists, let's talk about old Tucky Poo. One of the big things that happened while I've been off is that Tucker Carlson got fired. You about to lose your job. Get to stance. The text that reportedly led to Tucker Carlson's firing from Fox, it's not how white men fight. Yesterday, the nebulous circumstances behind Tucker Carlson's abrupt axing. Now, this is from a couple days ago. Was it from, uh, I don't have a date on it. Yesterday, the nebulous circumstances behind Tucker Carlson's abrupt axing from Fox News on April 21st came into sharper and more alarming clarity thanks to the text obtained by the New York Times. By the way, April 21st, that was like the day after the last time I was on. Fired on April 21st. It found Carlson telling on his own inflammatory racist views while discussing the January 6th insurrection with one of his producers. Now, I will point out that, boy, did right-wingers ever take this. Like, when you when you read here, they'll be like, oh, well, Tucker sounds like an awesome guy. Such self-reflection. The text, which was included in redacted form as part of a filing included in Dominion Voting System's defamation suit against Fox, but previously unreported, reportedly alarmed officials at the network who feared the text could become public when Carlson took the stand and raise broader concerns about the network outside the scope of the suit. Dominion initially took Fox to court over the 2020 election, alleging that Fox knowingly uh, disseminated falsehoods about the election. In the message, which Carlson allegedly sent to one of his producers in the weeks following the January 6th attack, he describes watching a group of Trump guys attack an Antifa kid and pounding the living shit out of him. So here's the exact quote. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living shit out of him. It was three against one, at least. That's how you guys operate. Right-wingers never fight fair. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. No, motherfucker, that's exactly how white men fight. Or, or like all the coward-ass motherfuckers that shot kids that we covered earlier in the show, they just grab a gun. Fucking cowards. Yet suddenly, I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Then somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. The Antifa creep is a human being. Weird that you spend as much time as you do dehumanizing your political opponents. Much as I despise what he says and does, I wonder what that fucking is. Much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere somebody probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is?
And there are right-wingers saying, see, this shows that Tucker's such a good guy. He can empathize with people. Per the New York Times, the message prompted the Fox board to hire an outside law firm to conduct an investigation into Mr. Carlson's conduct. The text also reportedly had a heavy hand in Fox's decision to settle with Dominion for $787 million, roughly half of the initial $1.6 billion. Carlson's personal text, others of which saw him harshly criticizing Trump as a demonic force and referring to female Fox employees with misogynistic language, were collected as part of the trial's discovery process. Over the last six years, Carlson uh, Carlson has consistently espoused white nationalist beliefs on his late-night program, going as far as to endorse the Great Replacement Theory, notably cited in a manifesto written by Christchurch, New Zealand mass murderer Britton Harrison Tarrant shortly before he killed 51 people in a mosque. Carlson lost advertisers after stating that immigrants make the United States poorer and dirtier. He also opined in uh, 2019 that white supremacy in America is a hoax. On Monday, the New York Times, along with a collective of other media organizations, called for the judge overseeing the Dominion defamation lawsuit to release some of Carlson's redacted messages to the public. The content of the January 6th text was was disclosed to the New York Times during interviews with several individuals close to the case who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Although it was uncertain if the message would actually be revealed in court, Carlson's behind-the-scenes conduct became such a large concern that Fox was willing to sacrifice the extensive viewership his show brought in on short notice, indicating there's possibly even more to the story. I would say... Tucker getting the axe didn't actually have anything to do with that text. If I had to bet, maybe it played into it. But I'd say it had more to do with shit like this. Carlson says on video footage from 2022. I I don't want to be a slave to Fox Nation, which I don't think that many people watch anyway. Um... We're going to, because I, I, you know, I'm like a representative of the American media now. Speaking to an exile in Romania and welcoming him back into the brotherhood of journalists. Yeah, it would help us out if you wore a sweater, though, because we asked him not to wear a suit. Like, he was panicking about it. So you don't have to. Tucker's going to be looking uh, casual. That's just how our show looks. Is that okay? You seem to be exacerbated by that. I, I, I mean, this is airing on the nighttime show, and I want it to look official. I don't want it to be like bro talk. And I, and I, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the majority of it, like if we go like 45 minutes, it's going to be for Fox Nation. But nobody's going to watch it on Fox Nation. Nobody watches Fox Nation because the site sucks. So I'd really like to just put the dump the whole thing on YouTube. Um, but anyway, that's just my view. Um, uh, I'm just frustrated with the. Uh, it's hard to use that site. I don't know why they're not fixing it. It's driving me insane. And they're like making like lifetime movies, but they don't they don't work on the infrastructure of the site. Like what? It's crazy, and it drives me crazy because it's like we're doing all this extra work and no one can find it. It's unbelievable, actually. I don't know who runs that site. We're gonna play a sizable chunk on the show tomorrow night. That's the plan. 
And then what it's going to do is drive a lot of people to watch this on Fox Nation. It's going to be a great help to what we're doing over there on TV today. I know, so but I, we, we're doing our part. We're like working like animals to produce all this content. And the people in charge of it, whoever that guy's, whatever his name is, like they're ignoring the fact that the site doesn't work. And it, it's, I think it's like a betrayal of our efforts. That is that where a microphone is in a phone? I, that's where the speaker is on my phone. I don't know if that's where the microphone is. Pro- it probably is somewhere around the bottom, though. That's where your mouth is. It does kind of look like he's going to eat it, though. Maybe he's hungry. Tucker's a growing boy. You guys want to talk about corruption? You guys want to talk about corruption at the Supreme Court? Because, boy, there's a fucking lot of it. Senator Sheldon uh, Whitehouse, why don't you lay it out for us? We are here today because the Supreme Court is playing out of bounds of the ethics rules for federal judges. Justices read the ethics rules in unique and eccentric ways, and when they're caught out of bounds, they refuse to allow any investigation of the facts. The personal hospitality problems I've been pursuing began with Justice Scalia. Roll another joint. Undisclosed hunting. I fucked up some Tom Petty there. The one where he was on the Air Force Two manifest with Dick Cheney and the one where he died. Hey, if you sub, you get some of my emotes. There's emotes over on YouTube. Some intermediary would ask the owner of an expensive resort, often a commercial. We're not sub, whatever the fucking paid thing is. Personal invitation to the resort. Even where the owner was someone he'd never met, Scalia treated... Because unlike Scalia and Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch, I ain't got no fucking business daddies paying my bills. Lay it out for us, White House. I'm sorry, I talked over that. I'm going to go back. Because, like, let me... I was never the biggest fan of Sheldon Whitehouse, but he's really won me over here in the last couple years. He does bring receipts, and he does a good job here. Read the ethics rules in unique and eccentric ways, and when they're caught out of bounds, they refuse to allow any investigation of the facts. The personal hospitality problems I've been pursuing began with Justice Scalia, who took more than seven dozen undisclosed hunting vacations. Most people know of two, the one where he was on the Air Force Oh, it's a member. You can you can become a member on YouTube. You get live chat emojis. There's emojis of me, John, Jr. <laughs> fucking Young Turks. Fucking like, I'll put a Young Turks video on, not pay any attention to the video, but the only part I hear is like the fucking outro, the the back card of Shank saying that shit. Gives me nightmares. Two manifest with Dick Cheney and the one where he died. There were 70 plus more. It was systematized. Some intermediary would ask the owner of an expensive resort, often a commercial property, to extend to Scalia a personal invitation to the resort. Even where the owner was someone he'd never met, Scalia treated as personal hospitality because of the personal. Oh, birthing person and a Casparian! Closed the vacations. Gun industry advocates, fossil fuel folks, and Republican political figures often tagged along. No reasonable reading of the term personal hospitality would cover this, but the Supreme Court let this go on for years. Yep. When I challenged the court about this practice, 
And let's let's be fair, like John Roberts, this is on your head. There is no um, mechanism to really fucking rein in the court. And I actually, um, when I was driving back from Knoxville the other day, uh, I was listening to NPR because there was nothing fucking else. <laughs> like, there's no way to hook my phone up. There was no way to to listen to a CD or anything. So I was listening to NPR, and I was like, oh, cool. At least neat that all things considered is on, and I'm going to enjoy this. And I did. I listened to, like, the whole fucking thing. And they brought on a uh, law professor that really broke down the... Uh, the reforms needed on the court, what he thinks is going to happen with the court, uh, all the different ethics violations from all the different justices. And Congress isn't going to pass that law, and even if Congress was to pass a law, I mean, fucking, the Supreme Court has their own fucking, like, fiefdom. They're the ones that strike down fucking laws, so I... The Supreme Court actually has to sign on to whatever fucking ethics reform. That's what they're trying to get them to do right now. They're trying to get the Supreme Court to sign on to the the uh, ethics standards of the federal courts. To abide by the ethics standards of the federal courts. The Supreme Court's like, nah, fuck you. We're not going to do it. Exhibit one. I got a blow-off letter, exhibit two. Basically, nothing to see here. So then I asked the circuit courts what they thought about this conduct. I went 0 for 13 on answers. Oh, that would be exhibit three. I went 0 for 13 on answers, so I then sent another letter saying I hope their silence didn't indicate some kind of coordinated obstruction. Exhibit four. I also scheduled a subcommittee hearing. Presto, I was told... Well, were they Federalist Society judges? Because, yes, they were in on it then. ...the Financial Disclosure Committee would examine how the exemption was interpreted. That's Exhibit 5. Almost a year later, two weeks before the recent news about Justice Thomas broke, the Judicial Conference updated its guidance to clarify that this sort of non-disclosure violates the law. Exhibit 6. I have no evidence that any federal judge outside the Supreme Court ever used the personal invitation trick. And the judicial conference made up of other judges firmly shut it down. Regular judges would be loath to use that trick because a complaint about it would go into a proper process and would be investigated and measured against the law and the ethics code. And a conclusion would be reached. And that conclusion could be embarrassing. Only Supreme Court justices refused to allow their conduct to be investigated or reviewed. My bill would fix that. Here's an example of the no investigations problem. The key fact to determine whether Justice Thomas was bound by law to recuse himself from the first January 6th committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection activities and when he knew it. On that fact, the lawfulness of his initial recusal decision turns. Yet Thomas has never been officially asked that question. It's a cover-up in plain view. Yeah, oh wait, it is happening all the over Supreme the country. The Supreme Court alone among federal courts is okay with that. My bill would fix that. Which brings us to Justice Thomas's recent non-disclosure of supposed personal hospitality from a right-wing billionaire and its problems. First problem, private jet travel is not in the personal hospitality. 
And I believe this happened before we found out about the uh, what broke today about the the business daddy paying for his adopted kid. I think it is his adopted kid schooling, and you know it ain't no small amount. It's a hundred and fifty grand holiday exemption, which is limited to food, lodging, and entertainment. Exhibit seven. Some textualist, by the way. Second problem. Thomas said it was okay because he'd asked colleagues. But that financial disclosure committee, it's there to ask about financial disclosure. Setting aside that its name should give a clue, Thomas knew the committee existed because concerns about his yacht and jet travel gifts from this billionaire were referred there in 2011, after some of these gifts were first revealed in this New York Times story, Exhibit 9. Third problem. There's no legal way not to disclose the property acquisition in Georgia. Fourth problem, some of this personal hospitality involved people dedicated to turning the court into a tool for right-wing billionaires. Name yep. Leonard Leo. This guy doesn't have business before the court. His business is the court. This disclosure mess has again been referred to the Financial Disclosure Committee, which raises the question, of the previous referral to that same committee of the same billionaire's gifts to Thomas of yacht and jet travel. The rules seem to require the committee to report its findings to the judicial conference. The records of the judicial conference are public and the records of the judicial conference contain no mention of any such report. So what became of the 2011 referral? Did anyone intervene? No. Is the committee still considering the 2011 referral more than a decade later? Probably not. There is much yet to learn, which is why last week I sent a It's under the rug. Asking for further answers. Exhibit 10. Three things are needed to fix all this. Better enforcement, better recusal rules, and better disclosures. My bill would do all three. I thank Chairman Durbin for this joint hearing and look forward to getting to the bottom of this mess. Until there is an honest ethics process at the Supreme Court, these messes will continue. The court has conclusively proven that it cannot police itself. I, I, these nuts, I agree with you. It ain't gonna fucking change. It feels like the only way it could fucking change is if they pass some kind of constitutional amendment or they pack the court. And Democrats aren't gonna do it. Jesus fucking Christ. You guys remember Herschel Walker? We talked a lot about Herschel Walker. In the lead up to the election last year, he was running for Senate in Georgia, and apparently he's also crooked as fuck. Surprise, surprise. When Herschel Walker emailed a representative for billionaire industrialist and longtime family friend Dennis Washington in March of 2022, he seemed to be engaging in normal behavior for a political candidate. He was asking for money. But unbeknownst to Washington and the billionaire's staff, Walker's request was far more out of the ordinary. It was something campaign finance, finance experts are calling unprecedented, stunning, and jaw-dropping. It's not unprecedented. It's not stunning or jaw-dropping. Fucking look what our Supreme Court's fucking doing. 
Walker wasn't just asking for donations to the campaign. He was soliciting hundreds of thousands of dollars for his own personal company, a company that he never disclosed on financial statements. Emails obtained by the Daily Beast and verified as authentic by a person with knowledge of the exchanges show that Walker asked Washington to wire $535,200 directly to that undisclosed company, HR Talent LLC. And the emails revealed that not only did Washington complete Walker's wire request, he was under the impression that these were, in fact, political contributions. In the best possible circumstances, legal experts told the Daily Beast the emails suggest violations of federal fundraising rules. In the worst case, they could be a more in, uh, they could be an indication of more serious crimes, such as wire fraud. Perfectly normal behavior. We have detailed, and like, I didn't even get into, like, other Republican politicians, but you know they're all into it. You know, they're all being funded by the billionaires. But hey, hey, perhaps we now have a whistleblower that is going to blow the lid, blow the lid off of this alleged bribery scheme. Finally, finally, we're going to get some action on this. The GOP subpoenas FBI for Biden records. What? What? Biden? What? A top House Republican subpoenaed FBI Director Chris Way on Wednesday for what he claimed are bureau records related to President Joe Biden and his family. Basing the demand on newly serviced allegations, he said an unnamed whistleblower made to Congress. The White House said it was the latest example in the years-long series of unfounded, unproven political attacks against Biden by Republicans, floating anonymous innuendo. Kentucky, Ramp James, uh, Kentucky Representative James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee and Accountability, is seeking a specific FBI form from June of 2020 that is a report of conversations or interactions with a confidential source. Comer, in a letter to Ray with Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, said that it has come to our attention that the Bureau has such a document that describes an alleged criminal scheme involving Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. This supposedly happened when Biden was vice president and includes a precise description about it. Lawmakers used the word alleged three times in the opening paragraph of the letter and offered no evidence of the veracity of the accusations or any details about what they contend are highly credible, unclassified whistleblower disclosures. So all the billionaires funding the judges and politicians, totally cool. Biden over here, we don't even know what he's fucking accused of, but the Republicans are on top of it. The Biden administration's really doing a heck of a job, aren't they? You remember COVID? COVID was a thing. 
Apparently it's still a thing because uh, a CD conference caught COVID. A big outbreak at a CDC conference. Of course, Vox says it's ironic, but is it a big deal? This is a piece by Karen Landman. Last week, the CDC held a conference at an Atlanta hotel. Its purpose, showcase the work of its applied epidemiology trainees who over the past year have investigated public health matters ranging from cancer to bird flu to infant mortality. This year, the CDC held the conference in person for the first time since 2019. They also offered a virtual attendance option. On April 27th, the last day of the conference, organizers were notified that several attendees had tested positive for COVID-19. As of May 2nd, 35 cases were linked to the conference. News of the event was met with some schadenfreude, with several commentators jeering at the irony. An agency whose COVID response many viewed as a failure had itself been subject to an outbreak of the infection. Born aside, there's actually something to learn here. The outbreak says a lot about the current state of the pandemic and how to think about COVID-19 risks right now. I will say that it's almost certain that virtually everybody at the CDC is vaccinated and probably uh, boosted twice at this point. If you look for COVID anywhere, you'll find it everywhere, perhaps especially at large gatherings. That sounds like fucking Trump. We shouldn't do testing. The numbers go up when you do testing. Community outbreaks don't lead to the same harms that they used to. That's true. And also, once again, the likelihood that the CDC attendees were, at least some of them wearing masks, were higher. And that they were all up on their vaccination is much, much higher. Are we at endemic now? I haven't heard like Osterholm or Hotez say we're endemic. When one of them, when I hear one of them say we're endemic, then I'll say we're endemic. Uh, it's clearly the CDC thought it's been endemic for like a year and a half now. Or when 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 homozygote. <laughs> at least there wasn't a shooting. That's true. many, the benefits of gathering now outweigh the risks. I don't know about that. I mean, I've, I've dropped all mask wearing. I've been, you know, fucking clear. I went, I went down and picked up a car the other day. It was around a whole bunch of people went out to dinner and shit. I'm also not treating it like it's a thing anymore because nobody else is, but also I'm vaccinated. Speaking of COVID and Biden administration blunders, the continuation of Title 42 has been a thing that I have bitched about throughout our or the course of the Biden administration. It is now set to end on May 11th. But now Biden is deploying 1,500 troops to the border. We have video on this. Es el momento preciso para para pasar yo con más. I'm more confident now that I'll be able to cross into the United States. 
is a Venezuelan migrant. This is because Title 42 will be lifted and God willing, we will all be able to cross. I think that the situation will not change when Title 42 is lifted. Ding, 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 ding. I actually think it will get worse because we're seeing a lot of deportations. Ding, 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 ding. And I will go ahead and tell you that Kirsten Cinema and several Republicans have signed on to a bill to still allow deportations despite the end of Title 42. This motherfucker gets it. I feel sorry for the other dude because he thinks he thinks the people over in Washington have a heart and empathy and shit. No, 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 no. This dude knows what's up. My dream is to reach the United States. We are here fighting to carry on. We are still far and we're worried because they want to shut down the border. That worries us. We are hardworking people and we will help the United States. Now he brings up a very good point. That is true. That is true. Immigrants. The hardest working motherfuckers in this country. Also, far less likely to commit crime than native born citizens. Pay into the system without taking uh, out benefits. I feel sorry for you, dude. I, I wish I could share your optimism. It's gonna get worse. I lived through, I lived through Obama. I lived through Obama's rhetoric about hope and change and transformative politics. And do you know what I got? Do you know what I got? I got President Droney McDeportation. Smokey. The numbers of deportations went up under Obama and the numbers of drone strikes went up under Obama. Drone strikes are actually down under Biden. That is a, um, that is a statistic I saw like drastically down under, uh, under Biden from Obama levels, definitely from Trump levels, but down from Obama levels. So cool, but also we're not in Iraq or Afghanistan anymore. So I don't know, but that's one good thing, I guess. Not a good thing though, is what's going on down in Florida. Expansion of the so-called don't say gay bill passes Florida Senate and is now headed to DeSantis's desk. An expansion! Passed the Senate on Wednesday and is on its way to the desk of GOP Governor Ron DeSantis, who is expected to sign it. The 27-12 vote in the Florida Senate passed an expansion of the law that was put into effect last year. The expansion will include a ban on classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity through the 8th grade. 
Last year's bill only went through the third grade. In high schools, teachers will not be allowed to discuss either topic in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for their students. That is purposely vague, so all discussion is going to be eliminated. Teachers also will not be able to address transgender students by the pronouns of their choice under the expansion. Along with the expanding restrictions on instruction, it also creates a process that makes it easier for books to be taken off school shelves. My fucking God. Any person with a uh, within a county can challenge a book for any reason, and it must be pulled off the shelves for a review process that some fear could take weeks or months. DeSantis is almost certain to pass this bill, or to sign this bill into law. And while they were debating this bill, this expansion, one of the fascist-ass Republican motherfuckers said the quiet part out loud. Be labeled as racist and discrimination without, an, without a response. ISIS, the Taliban, and Al-Qaeda. Those are the folks who discriminate. We bombed a building in 2017 like we never usually do. We bombed it because they threw homosexuals off that building. Our terrorist enemies hate homosexuals more than we do. They're the ones who discriminate. Our job... Look at her face! Yes, we do know that you hate homosexuals, sir. We know you're a bigot. Homosexuals more than we do. They're the ones who discriminate. Our job... And Audible gasp. I am committed to excellence and fair treatment of all. That's what we learn in boot camp. That's what we drill into ourselves each and every day while we're in boot camp. Please vote up on this bill. Thank you. Time having expired. Representative Gregory, you're recognized to close on your memorial. Our enemies hate homosexuals more than we do. Yep. So he admitted he hates them. And that is absolutely fucking disgusting. It is disgusting what Florida is doing. They are absolutely uh, passing fascist fucking bills. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do a little. The woman took the video down, so I'm gonna have to. Um, have to find it here. I'm going to have to show you the version without the music. Just know it's the cha-cha slide. This is Florida Democrats dancing with Florida Republicans after those fascist motherfuckers passed that bill. After that motherfucker talked about how he hated gay people. The Democrats. Danced in the aisle with Republicans. What the fuck?
so remember these these representatives have within the last day or two of this video that you're currently watching heard one of their colleagues talk about how he hates homosexuals well they passed a bill to ban books And crack down on teachers. Nuts, I do too, other than the fact that I was a DJ for many years and putting on a line dance and letting the white people do their thing is like really easy. I said that, but there's there's several uh there's several people of color uh dancing with the trusty ass white people in this video. And I've, I've, I've DJed some black weddings. They've got line dances too. Well, I mean, shit, it's the Casper slide. Like they, they are dancing to the Casper, Casper slide. Cause I heard the version that had the music. This isn't the electric slide, which is a very, very white song. The Casper slides got some, got some fucking, got some soul to it. Oh, God damn. I hate it here. I hate it here. Real quick, we're going to show... That is... Those Democratic representatives dancing with the fascist-ass Republicans aren't showing solidarity with our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community who are under attack. That's not solidarity. I show solidarity like I do with these uh, striking brothers and sisters in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. The union voted for an emergency strike. You see them walking out here. This is REI Durham. Emergency strike. And yes, fucking, uh, are you going to get a news story on it? Oh, weird, weird, weird. There's, there's no, there's no news organizations covering the, the strike. Huh? Isn't that odd? Finally, finally, from Footwear News. None of the local fucking stations covered it? Seriously? Fuck. R-E-I. I have no clue what it is. I think it's a footwear company, apparently. They go on strike to protest unfair labor practices. REI workers at a store in Durham, North Carolina are going on strike to protest management's response to their unionization efforts. Employees at the store filed a petition for a union election with the National Labor Relations Board on April 13th to be represented by the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union. They said they are striking because of unfair labor practices. The charge they filed against management citing illegal discipline of workers who were involved in the union organization efforts. 
According to release, REI put an active union organizer on administrative leave without clear information about his status. The employees are also calling on management to cease manipulating the election process. So, fuck yeah, we stand with you, workers at REI. I'm sorry this isn't getting more coverage. I'm sorry I didn't devote more coverage on this show to worker rights and it's going to be this it's going to be the striking summer guys we striking get your yellow vest ready we're going to be we're going to be talking about strikes uh for a while to come now a strike that is currently affecting all of us because our entertainment's going to dry up here soon is the Writers Guild strike. Voted overwhelming. It was like 90 fucking 7, 98% voted to strike. Hell yeah. Here's a more perfect union telling you why they're doing it. Right for a show called Abbott Elementary that's on ABC, which is a traditional network. But the next day we're on Hulu and a little bit after that we're on HBO Max and Disney Plus. So the amount for a rear on the network is $13,500 and the amount that you're paid for that episode being on new media streaming is $700. Hollywood is broken. And no, it's not because Chris Pratt was cast as Mario or that Emperor Palpatine somehow came back from the dead in the last Star Wars movie, although those are both admittedly bad. Somehow Palpatine returned. Yes, thank you to, like, Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert. All the late-night shows, SNL, they are standing with the writers this time. It's because the television industry has evolved in a way that abandons the very people who bring richness and diversity in characters and stories to our screens. Yes, we're talking about streaming. And while I've been a part of the onslaught of people sitting at the feet of HBO Max on many Sunday nights waiting for the next episode of Game of Thrones to drop, I would hope and expect that the people who wrote that masterpiece are being rewarded for captivating all of our eyeballs. Well, they aren't. Not like they used to be anyway. The economic pillars that our industry have been built upon have in the last decade been turned on their head. Television writers are being paid less money for these complex, multifaceted, unique narratives that bring companies like Warner Bros., Disney, and Netflix billions upon billions of dollars every year. And now, writers are understandably at their limits. And soon, that could affect you. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Right now, Hollywood writers are in a heated contract dispute with the nine largest production studios. At the center of that fight is something called residuals, one of the most important ways that writers get paid. Residuals are payments that are made every quarter by the companies to the writers for the content that they create. The WGA contracts that currently exist were built upon a model where the content providers generated the revenue through AdSense. So if I write an episode of television that re-airs over and over and over again, every time that episode re-airs, the content provider generates revenue and a little piece of that revenue gets shared with everyone that contributes to the creation of it. Now, their revenue is made almost exclusively through uh, monthly or annual subscriptions. So there is no re-airing. People can watch what they want when they want, which means that we're not getting the same residuals that we once would have. 
What I'm accustomed to as a broadcast writer, as a residual, like $20,000 for an episode of TV. In streaming, I just got a check for the same project for $23. And what's happening a lot is that at a certain point, after a certain couple of years, a streamer has to continue paying residuals. And instead of doing that, they much rather just pull the product from their app. And so that's what we're seeing a lot of content that we And this is uh, something that uh, video games are suffering from as well. Like there is shit that we could lose if we don't all pirate it. Pirating entertainment is good. Because there's some things that won't exist because companies like fucking uh, Netflix and Discovery Warner Brothers will just fucking pull it. There's already a bunch of shows that you cannot access anymore. So for the preservation of our entertainment, pirate. We create five years from now, completely gone, and we are not getting any residual compensation out of it. So if you have a favorite show that you loved that you can't find anywhere anymore, it's because those content providers don't want to pay the creators of the show for the right to air. Remember when HBO Max removed its very own Emmy award-winning hit, Westworld, from its streaming library? Hate to break it to you, that was over residuals. Another issue at the heart of the writer's contract dispute is something called mini rooms, which is basically a cute way to refer to writer's rooms that essentially do the same work with a- Is Westworld not on HBO right now? Can you not go watch it? Fraction of the workers in a fraction of the time to turn over a larger profit. Historically speaking, a writer's room was generally only constructed for a program that had been ordered to series, that you were guaranteed to see at least the first few episodes of on television. It meant that the content providers spent millions of dollars on a pilot episode. Oh my God, it's not. Love this. Let's order it to series and a writer's room was created. Increasingly. Fucking wow. You know what? Let's not spend those millions of dollars on a pilot. Let's spend significantly less money on a number of mini rooms where we will hire a smaller number of writers per project and we will order two or three or four, however many scripts without actually shooting any of it. And then we can look and, and read those scripts and decide whether or not this is a season of television we want to invest tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in. And what writers were seeing a lot of HBO was the one service that I kept consistently. For years, I watched Vice News nightly. I watched all their political documentaries. I watched Veep. I watched fucking Silicon Valley. Like, huge HBO fan. I have not kept HBO active for like two years now. But also, when I turned mine off, my buddy had been using mine. And like, when I turned mine off, he... He was like, all right, I'll turn mine on. Here's here's my login. So when I just looked it up, I was looking at his login. Where the streamers were only going to pay weekly compensation to all writers regardless of level. So you could be a co-executive producer with 10 years of experience who might have sold some development so you have a proven track record. You well, you can find anything for free, my friend. As a staff writer who this is their very first job right out the gate. We should be able to say, hey, I'm making more money now than I was making. Well, as I, as I mentioned earlier about the preservation of shit, 
more than likely you can find more shit for free than you can uh, on a service to pay for. 10 years ago, because that's how careers work in every industry. You don't work the same job for 10 years. Bullshit, we're millennials. You did when you first started doing it, and that's what's happening to us. It's fine if they want to hire us weekly on shows that have not been ordered to series yet, that they're just collecting scripts for. But we need to be compensated in the same way that we were compensated when we were writing shows that they were putting on the air. It's the same time and creative energy being put into those scripts. The fact that these content providers might be choosing not to make them doesn't mean that we're working less hard on them and that we should be yeah. less for the creation of them. At the end of the day, this all comes down to greed. In 2000, the combined entertainment operating profits of the production studios was $5 billion. By 2019, with the advent of streaming and the addition of companies like Netflix in the mix, they were up to $30 billion. Streaming has boosted corporate profits, but writers are actually earning less now. It is absolutely undeniable that the streaming platforms are generating mountains of money through their subscription base. What they're choosing to do with that money is an entirely different question. There's this misconception outside of Hollywood that writers... Oh, I thought they were just using scenes from movies, but they were talking about like mountains of money and Joker was coming down the money and Michael Madsen was looking through his uh, briefcase of money and Kill Bill. Our bougie six-figure people who live in palaces in Beverly Hills and why are they complaining about... I didn't even notice the B-roll worked. And that couldn't be far from the truth. Good editing. Writers in this industry are battling is probably not very different from the fight that they or friends or relatives have been facing with the consolidation of power and money. It's almost, it's almost like capitalism sucks. Fewer corporations holding more and more of the purse strings. Yeah, and yeah. The coffers and the coins more and more greedily. And that's certainly not unique to our industry. We are making less money now than we were making 10 years ago. And the industry- Oh, and my friend. Compare your salary now to fucking 30 years ago. Holy shit. I fucking... Comedians and writers that came up through like the late 80s and the 90s where they were just fucking handing out deals to everybody. My God, the money that sloshed around. Fuck. It's shifting to prioritize streaming and none of our pay structure or the amount of money that we're paid reflects those changes. They are treating everything like TV operates the same as it did 10 years ago. And I think everyone, even viewers, know that's just not true. The industry needs to catch up. If push comes to shove, a strike is incredibly important to show these companies that we mean business and that we won't stand for them trying to take our livelihoods in Hollywood. There's a piece from More Perfect Union laying out the reason for the Writers Guild strike. Writers Guild strike. Had a tough time saying it there. 
Ben Shapiro. And yes, I had to check and make sure this is actually at Ben Shapiro. This is the Daily Wire's Ben Shapiro, 5.6 million followers. This is the real Ben Shapiro. Not a, I did not fall for a parody on Twitter again. Because apparently I fell for a, for a satire fucking account the other day. Even though like I was just going through and calling people names. Some kind of fucking uh, waterbed salesman in Georgia that won three fucking uh, uh, youth softball coaching championships or some shit. It was stupid. I did not fall for a parody. This is the actual Ben Shapiro who says that the Writers Guild is screwed. His evidence of this is that Ben asked his chat GPT, please write a TV comedy scene in which a screenwriter negotiates with a studio head for higher pay while the studio head has all of his responses written by AI. Interior, studio, executive's office, daytime. We see a screenwriter, Jim, sitting in front of a large desk, facing a studio executive, Mr. Smith. The room is nicely furnished with large windows overlooking the bustling city below. Jim, Mr. Smith, I'm hoping we can talk about my compensation for this project. I feel that the initial offer is not commensurate with the work required. Mr. Smith, Reading from a tablet. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I understand your concern, and I will consult with the necessary departments to see if we can come up, can, we can come to a mutually beneficial agreement. Jim, well, that's good to hear, but I was hoping for a more immediate solution. This is a high-profile project, and I've been putting in long hours to make sure it's a success. Mr. Smith, reading from a tablet. I appreciate your dedication and hard work. Rest assured that we value we value our employees and want to compensate them fairly. So uh, that's a script written by ChatGPT. I I actually have changed my opinion about it uh, since my first time reading it. Ben Shapiro asked it to write a comedy and it wrote something incredibly fucking funny. Rest assured that we value our employees and want to compensate them fairly. That's the funniest goddamn thing I've heard in a very long time. Apparently Ben was serious that he thought that GPT gonna replace actual riders. Ben, you so dumb. Let's see how uh, AI really does. Here is an AI generated beer commercial.
I'm going to be honest. It is better than any commercial I've seen on television. In a long, long time. <laughs> the beer commercial, funnier than the chat GPT scene. Indeed. And I guess they weren't even uh, tasked with writing a comedy here. Okay, that's my favorite part. And what's the deal? Okay, what's the fucking deal? Like, you see the fire earlier in the in the commercial. Why do we cut to this post-apocalyptic hillscape? For those of you listening to the podcast, if you just got the audio going, it's like a backyard barbecue. It's like a house party. And, like, generic beer commercial, indeed. <laughs> the party is so sexy. But like the the people all have weird faces and they're like they're doing weird things with the butt. This this what is this scene? Are those firefighters in the background? Uh, what's going on here? This what what the fuck is this? And he's is like. He's doing the the explaining guy to his beer here. And also, is that a hand? <laughs> is that supposed to be a hand? What's that shit on his finger over there? What in the fu- Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. And does this dude have like some kind of fucking... Oversized Nixon mask on? What the fuck? One more time. The way they're all holding beverages like the way Trump holds a beverage. Everyone's everything is jacked up. The more you look at... And there's... Okay... There's fire right there, and that's not like a grill or anything. That's in the house. What's going on? What what the fuck? And they they got like a store brand Katie Porter in here. What the shit what? And she's got like 20 fingers. And then look at look at this one. Look at this. Is that a woman? Is that like that oversized hand? On her elbow over? What the fuck? I, that, that, that's what I'm, hold on. I got to slow this down. Where's the speed at on this motherfucker? Where's the settings? 
<laughs> I gotta watch this at a crawl, cause what the fuck? Okay, multiple things are on fire. Oh, their mouths. That, that's hilarious. She kind of looks like that thing that, um, uh, what's her, what's her, uh, uh, what, what's their, the fucking characters from Beetlejuice when they go into the, uh, they go into the other realm and they pull like their fucking heads out and shit. That's, that's what she kind of looks like there. That's wild. Also, they're making a new Beetlejuice, apparently. Oh, I get a lot of the, uh... Get a lot of the Howard Stern... Uh, sidekick pictures here. Where's the... I don't remember what the characters' names were. Uh, I'm not seeing them pull their heads out. That's what it looks... Oh, uh, there it is. There it is. That's what that shit kind of looks like. Their eyeballs popped out real fast. They're all talking to their beverages. There was indeed two rows of teeth. She had like fucking three or four rows of teeth. Oh my god, this guy. This guy's my favorite part. Look at this shit. The beer is on fire. Well, she's sucking it out of the middle of the can. He's sucking it out of the bottom of the can. The flame is coming from that one beer. You should be. The, the caption of the video's title says, It gets weirder with each viewing. That's an understatement. 
I feel like they're both singing into, and is that even a beer? What is it? It doesn't look like any beer I've ever seen. I don't even know what the product name is there. It's called formaldehyde? What the fuck? So yeah, ChatGPT gonna take the writer's jobs. All right, I was gonna listen to the Roy Woods uh, set from the correspondence dinner, but that's like a half hour long. We'll save it for next week. I will. I'll come, I won't be on Sunday. We'll come on one day next week at least, and then we'll like the week after that. We should be back to normal. Troll Patrol Sunday through Thursday, but you know, you know. I ain't gonna leave you hanging. You gonna get some animal video. Videos, videos, plural. Check this shit out. And finally, a principal in West Virginia got a big surprise when he unlocked the school's dumpster. CCTV footage shows the moment James Marsh came face to face with a black bear. As you can see, both were just as startled to see each other. Thankfully, the scene didn't turn grisly. Both bear and man emerged. Did that was a big surprise i was not expecting that you know you throw trash in a dumpster and you throw things in it but you really don't expect things to come out it's not the first time the sir sir i am always expecting a raccoon to come out of my trash can because it's happened to me before. It has helped itself to contents of the dumpster, which is why the school had a lock installed. Clearly, though, that did not stop this unexpected visitor. And finally, he, a he's smarter than the average bear. Oh, boo boo. Principal in West Virginia got a big surprise when he unlocked the school's dumpster. CCTV footage shows the moment James Marsh came face to face with a black bear. As you can see, both were just as startled to see each other. Thankfully, the scene didn't turn grisly. Both bear and man emerged from the incident unharmed. That was a big surprise. I was not expecting that. You know, you throw trash in a dumpster and you throw things in it, but you really don't expect it. And if, you, if you're hearing the audio, it was a baby black bear. It's cute. It's not the first time the bear has helped itself to contents of... Oh, like it even stuck its little head out first. That was adorable. ...which is why the school had a lock installed. But seriously, it's, it's, a, it's a little bear cub. It's cute. ...visitor. Ah, let's keep it. We'll keep with the school theme here. We'll keep with the school theme. These ducks want to go to school. This this, this duck wants her ducklings well educated. In this video here, a mother duck hatched several ducklings in the courtyard of a Loudoun County school. Our partners at WTOP says it's the second time this has happened in the last year at Ashburn Elementary. So to get the family to safety of a nearby pond, students had to walk the family of ducklings through the school hallways and out the door. There will be even more ducklings soon because there's another nest in a different courtyard at the school. Oh, shit. Through the halls. Look at this video here. A mother duck hatched several ducklings in the courtyard of a Loudoun County school. Our partners at WTOP says it's the second time this has happened 
in the last year at Ashburn Elementary. So to get the family to safety of a nearby pond, students had to walk the family of ducklings through the school hallways and out the door. There will be even more ducklings soon because there's another nest in a different courtyard at the school. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wore these pants like yesterday or the day before yesterday and I threw them on the floor. I'm pretty sure one of the cats pissed on them because like I smell piss really bad. It's been the entire, I put the pants on right, like as the countdown was on. So like I've been smelling piss. <laughs> the entire time this has been going on and I'm like, God, I want to go wash these pants so bad. Oh, <laughs> fucking can't. God damn it, socks. Why you got to do this to me? I almost cut the show short multiple times. I'm like, I haven't been on in two weeks. Yes, they marked my pants. Look at this video here. A mother duck hatched several ducklings in the courtyard of a Loudoun County. But it stinks. TOP says it's the second time this has happened in the last year at Ashburn Elementary. So to get the family to safety of a nearby pond, students had to walk the family of ducklings through the school hallways and out the door. There will be even more ducklings soon because there's another nest in a different courtyard at the school. Little well, I look forward to seeing the next set of ducklings. If you are watching on Twitch, you must be fucking magic because I ain't on fucking Twitch right now. Hopefully we'll be back after May 13th. The entire show will be back on its regular schedule come May 21st. Uh, you, Dan Crenshaw, you say? If there's some... <laughs> I can't even fucking... Can't even uh, uh, twist this into it. Fuck Dan Crenshaw. Give me that eye pussy, sir. Uh, what's another one I haven't hit since, uh, since I've been on? Uh, Rudy. Let's do Rudy. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? We went through a whole episode without Steiner math. Oh, it was all shootings. That's why there's no Steiner math. You take your 30-30 and a third chance? Minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. We hit sexual anarchy a couple times, didn't we? You live in sexual anarchy? I think that's, that's, uh, that's everyone's favorite, I think. <laughs> if you are watching on Twitch, you aren't. Fuck off. Don't fuck with me like that. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. I'll see you when I see you here on the Troll Patrol Live.